everyone, welcome to the 8th episode of Genre Equality. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. I'm Aisa. Uh, we got lots to talk about this week. We, uh, we have three big live action uh, movies and TV shows to mm-hmm. talk about. The yep. Expense, The Handmaid's Tale, and of and course, Ant-Man and the Wasp. But predominantly, this episode, unusually, will actually be uh, heavy on animation. Uh, we have the return of Aisa's Anime Corner, which Yay. we back this yep. week. Yeah. Uh, Quick Hits is mostly animation too, because we'll be talking about Steven Universe, Show mm-hmm. Hunters, Voltron, etc, mm-hmm. etc. Et so we are just large children here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's, I guess let's begin with the quote-unquote biggest title that we're talking about. Uh-huh. But... Actually, it's the smallest, pun intended. Oh, yeah. Because uh, there isn't much <laughs> substance to this particular movie, although it is pretty hyped considering it is an MCU movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about Emma and the Wasp first. Uh, this is the sequel to Peyton Reed's uh, surprisingly successful uh, first movie. Mm-hmm. And it's the first movie post-Infinity War. Although it takes place be- before. slightly before oh. Infinity War, yeah, but yeah. after Civil War. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of Ant-Man and the Wasp? Okay, there's a definite change of tone, right, after Avengers. Yeah. Right, uh, it's a lot well lighter, a lot more chill. Um, it was easier to process. For sure. And it was enjoyable. Best formula. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, definitely very fun. I think, again, as I mentioned, a very, very needed change of tone mm. and uh, and pace, you know, after the kind of like severity that was Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fun, but I mean, like, at the end of the day, I don't think any of us were expecting that much from the movie itself. Sure, yeah. Right? Uh, but I, I did have a lot of fun. I think, like, a lot of sequences were uh, very inventive and very great. Mm-hmm. Well thought of. Uh, yeah, it was great chase sequence. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. The big and small yeah. uh, dynamics. Uh. Yeah. Which we saw in The Flash before. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually more, more of Legends because of that. Oh, Legends, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Both, yeah he's been in both shows. Yeah, so you're shows, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and other than that, I mean, like, I don't really have much to say. The science of it is still a bit finicky, and of course, they do touch on like some things that encroaches upon the magic of the of the MCU. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into that a bit later. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think the sequel is satisfyingly small scale mm-hmm. as it should be. Yeah. It's like this dessert that goes by on like likability. It's playful. It's funny. It's enjoyable all the way through. Uh, and it's a nice palette cleanser after that entree that was Infinity War. Yeah. This this felt to me like that uh, swimming episode of My Hero Academia after <laughs> after the heaviness of like you know Hero Killer Stain and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like we need a break. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we we need a break lah. My my only takeaway from Ant Man and the Wasp is that um, I think this is the first movie where um, a female character actually takes center stage. Mm. Uh, one of the two co-leads, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it feels more like the Wasp and Enderman uh, at some portions of the movie yeah. uh, because she feels like the more developed character and the more skillful of the heroes. Yeah, whereas yes, uh, sure. uh, Paul, Rod, Paul Rod was a bit more bumbling. As he Scott should Lang. be, because yeah. he's funny, right? Yeah. Uh, and my only other takeaway is that I just want to see an entire uh, drunk history version of MCU as told by Michael Pena. Yeah. Because <laughs> his entire gimmick is drunk history, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just want to see like an entire recap of MCU right before Infinity War. By 4. Michael Pena. Yeah, by Michael Pena. Just do all that. Yeah. Oh, um, okay, um, I guess we, we should probably dive into a bit of spoiler territory to talk sure. about a doozy of a post credit scene. Which oh, is that's the one I'll talk about. Honestly, yeah. like the best part of the movie. Um... <laughs> Uh, before we go ahead, I, I do also want to say that um, Hollywood continues to waste like one of my favorite actors, Walton Goggins, in in terrible villain roles. Uh, <laughs> we've seen him in um, Tom, Tomb Raider prior to this, yeah. uh, and now he's just a generic uh, gangster villain. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, if you haven't seen him on uh, The Shield or and, uh, Justified, Justified uh, you know that he's a very talented villain. Yeah, uh, tons of charisma. It's just been given draw and that. 
that swag. Correct, yeah. He's, yeah. he's just been given very, very uh, thin roles to play like, in, in his Hollywood movies. Very so, generic roles. Yeah, I hope he goes back to TV and where he can shine. Uh. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And give like 12 episodes so you can just see Goggins being a moron. Yeah. Being yeah. a very suave moron. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to delve into spoiler, ter- yeah. spoiler territory now, so I'm going to give a little countdown. Um, five, four, three, two, one. Woo. So the post-credit sequence for Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, features Ant-Man going back into the quantum realm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to find... Uh, Quantum healing particles, whatever that is, uh, for for the villain Ghosta, who I, I actually liked. Uh, I enjoyed her character. Yeah. Uh, con- continuing a trend of very sympathetic villains for the MCU, uh, because in the end, you know, she was just uh, she's not really the villain. Uh. She was just an antagonist with different goals. Uh. she mm. wanted to stay alive, stay alive. Yeah. Uh, and hope, and the rest wanted to save the mother. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so both were sympathetic characters. So it's that that's great. Uh. I actually I actually enjoyed her performance and. The characterization of that particular antagonist, mm. uh, but as he was going back into the quantum realm, back in Wakanda, <laughs> because the, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. fighting in Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, this is the exact same moment. Yeah. Uh, the fight in Wakanda happens. The snap happens, and then uh, Hope and uh, Hank Pym, Hank Pym uh, were departed, uh, mm. basically. Ashed. Ashed. Uh, so um, Ant Man is stuck in the quantum realm. There's yeah. no way to get back. Yeah. Uh, Michael Douglas conveniently says that there are time vortexes mm-hmm. in the quantum realm, meaning to imply that it will be Ant-Man who's the one who's, who'll be going back in time, yeah. or back and forth in time to kind of change the outcome of Infinity War. What do you guys think is the future for MCU based on this? Well, that means Ant-Man is going to play some sort of role yeah, to I mean, change that... this whole ashing. Oh, the mm. great ashing. I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's a neat setup, right? A bit too convenient, in my opinion, with both, like, the fact that they, they, there'll be the time travel element. But I think it might be a red herring or so. It could be. I mean, it could very well be a magic thing, right? Because we do see uh, fragments of the quantum realm that look suspiciously like... The Mirrorverse. The Mirrorverse, right? Uh, which is, of course, Doctor Strange territory. Yeah. Right? And we saw extensively in his fight with Thanos as yep. well. So, I, it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do feel a little uncomfortable with this whole idea of like magic is just science that we can't explain yet which is obviously one Thor, of Thor's favorite, yeah. um, famous lines from the original Thor yeah. uh, why can't they just let magic be magic you know what is the big push against like the entire idea uh, because at the end of the day we do need Doctor Strange to kind of fix things right mm-hmm. <laughs> if the comics are anything to go by yeah um, apparently they have casted an 18 year old actress to play an adult version of um, Cassie isn't it? oh uh, Cassie um, the future uh, Paul Rudd's uh, doctor yes the future wasp uh, future wasp um, so that will be interesting yeah. uh, that already tells me that I know that uh, Ant-Man will be going back and forth in time yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at least to meet his future doctor Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting um, yeah, Ant-Man will, I think, obviously prominently feature in uh, Avengers 4 just yeah. because, you know, there are very few people left like, yeah. outside of our main Avengers. Yeah. Uh, I think it will be a nice last hurrah for our main our main crew. Yeah. Uh, it will probably be the last that we see of uh, N or Captain America, yeah. Uh, yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, um, yeah um, Ant-Man is one of those second generation people who will probably be uh, carrying the team forward. Like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think of the movie overall in terms of ratings? Uh, I'll give it a good seven and a half out of ten. Cool. Yeah, right. it's a uh, definite A la, for me. Oh, I'll give it a six point five. I mean, I definitely enjoyed it, but it's a very forgettable movie. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, like okay. I, I had a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, but at the end of the day, like it, 
a lot of things were very convenient and it's definitely is a setup movie you know I, I like the change of tone but other than that like mm. quite honestly that was about it for me how about you hit uh i'll give it a pass it's a six out of ten for me as well six out of ten. uh i nice. like it <laughs> I, I, the 6 out of 10 is a fresh you know, oh okay yeah, yeah. Exactly. and then yeah I mean I liked it um, I liked the first Ant-Man a bit more okay uh, but this one kind of retains the charm so oh. um, I've never ever failed an MCU movie this is probably the lowest you will go a 6 out of 10 okay um, maybe the only thing that is lower than this would be like you know uh, Thor Dark World uh, for example <laughs> that was my 6 out of 10 uh, that would be maybe like 5.9 or something so that's because that gave a 6 that's how I gave this a 7.5 uh, I, for me lah. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Um, fair enough lah. I mean, we, we all liked it to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Just because we gave it a 6 out of 10 or to a 7.5 out of 10 doesn't yeah, mean that... Yeah, but that's because I'm a Paul Rudd fan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Hardy has always been the lenient teacher at uh, Hardy Equality. That's so true. He, he's very accepting. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he grades on a curve. Yeah, I do. Uh, and, and to be fair to Hardy, Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, should be graded differently than other movies. Uh, yeah. Because he just has different goals. Right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll be moving on to another live-action uh, TV series this time. We'll be going into the third season of The Expanse, which just wrapped up. Yeah. And it remains one of our favourite sci-fi series right now. Mm-hmm. Um, have you both caught up on The Expanse? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so this is one of the things that... Another All one three of us. All three of us can <laughs> talk about. What do you think of the third season of The Expanse, Isaac? Ooh, Jesus uh, Christ. I mean, like, where do we even begin? I, I really love kind of like the entire, the series, yeah. the growth out of the series, right? So yeah. we start off with like this very, very uh, political space opera, like kind of like a hard sci-fi, and then yeah. we go into like the more fantastical elements with the proto-molecule and all of that. I think uh, this particular season and kind of examining um, just where everybody is past the whole uh, Venus incident. Mm. Right, or oh, the arrows incident, which ends up on Venus, right? Mm. Uh, and the revelation of that, to coupled together with the mid-season time jump, mm. has been very, very interesting, right? Mm. Because there's this entire period of time where the characters have grown with, without us yeah. uh, actually watching how they've done that and rediscovering that uh, has been um, quite good, quite good. I really, really have enjoyed this um, season of the Expanse. What well, about okay. you, Hadi? Well, uh, I love the mid-season finale. Mm. Yes. Right. That was, I think, one of my favorite episodes. Very thrilling. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah. And and I, I thought it was a very good. Uh, one of the few times when I didn't mind a time jump. Mm. You yes, know? And then yes. we see a reset. Everybody's like, you know, like uh, Naomi's gone to the yeah to, to the Belters. The Belters. Yeah. The, the, the Mormon ship. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's heading to the circle. The Abaddon's gate. Yeah. yeah. The Abaddon's gate. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I like that. It takes, you know, that, that there is some real, realism in the science, like, you know, that it takes a long time to get there. Yeah. Like, a few episodes all there just getting, just travelling towards the gate. Yes. Um, it's always been a very hard sci-fi show. They, yeah. they, they take great pains to make sure the physics and the chemistry and everything mm, is As right. accurate as possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, there are fantastical of elements course, like the ring, like, for example. Yeah. yeah. But there's aliens. But that's so, fine. Yeah. Like. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, the capabilities of it. You know. So I really like this hard science thing and I really enjoyed the politics in this season. Mm, yeah. Between the Belters, the Martians and... The I've yeah. always Earth, thought Earth, the Expense like. was more than anything a political show. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a... It's always been. Yeah. With, uh, with three different classes, uh, so to speak, the Martians, the Earthlings yeah. and... Uh, so this and season, I, the, I really ramped it up. Uh, yeah. Um, with the... With, you know... Um, I would want to say that... Uh, what's the Indian... Avastrala. Uh, Christian Avastrala. cannot pronounce the name. Mm. Shara Agadeshu. Uh. Christian, yes. uh? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Her performance was damn great. Yeah, mm-hmm. Something about her voice. She that raspiness, right? Yeah, the raspiness in her voice. Just, yeah. 
Um, she was great. Um, I, the, her chemistry with meeting like James Holden and uh, the rest of the crew, um, you know, the rest of the Rocinante, yeah. and then her meeting um, uh, Bobby, Bobby, yeah. you know, all oh, this was, what a yeah, beautiful, beautiful circle. Uh. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it really has been. And, and yeah, and, and it, it, it questioned like um, everybody's intention. Like the Martians had to re uh, evaluate why are they doing this, you know, sure. what, you know, and. And that kind of questions throughout the series was something that uh, we are, uh, everybody had to ask themselves. Uh, yeah. Why are we in this? Uh? Yeah. You know, are we three separate uh, entities or are we the one human race, human race uh, right? against this uh, alien? Yeah. 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 Uh, Which was especially true uh, during the last few episodes. Yeah. 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 The ring up. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Um, similarly to what you said, besides the Martians questioning themselves, uh, I think towards the end, the Belters also have different yeah. factions. Yeah. Question, exactly. uh, do we continue the Belter way? Uh, should we unite? Should we be more diplomatic? Or should we continue to be what we are? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so it's always this uh, interesting dichotomy between like keeping your heritage yeah. and, and remembering all the atrocities that maybe the Martians and the Earthlings have done yeah, to you. But at the same time, you have to move past it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody has to break that cycle of violence. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, I thought... Uh, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. Go no, sorry. yeah like, just continuing that, I, I felt like that was so so concisely um, put out in just like this very, very small piece of dialogue between Kamina and what's his name? Mustache. Uh, her her right-hand man. Oh, uh, um, the pirate guy. Pirate guy. Pirate yeah, guy. Yeah, and, and let's call him pirate guy for his name. Yeah, let's call him pirate guy. Uh, that really, really small dialogue that they have about uniforms, right? Mm, whether yeah. or not we should wear the uniforms, whether or not that's the belter way, and this entire very concise breakdown of revolutions and culture and, and culture yeah. and all that, mm. just by talking about the uniforms, I thought that was great, and I felt like a lot of um, a lot of the very grand political movements within the 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 scope of of this season right has boiled down to all these very very small, small moments of dialogue where mm. they kind of highlight that sure. you know and one of the phrases that has resonated with me a lot is um, especially for the first half the before the mid-season finale is do what you have to do mm. and they keep repeating that do what you have to do and you kind of see like this groundswell of political power rested within the people who are in the war mm. as opposed to the the, the policy makers yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was really really good um, yeah, outside of that one evil UN guy, um, there, <laughs> yeah. there aren't really ver- a lot of easy evil villains people, yeah. uh, in the show. Like, even yeah. like you said, the pirate guy. Pirate <laughs> I'm sorry, pirate guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the pirate guy was, I think, uh, like Ghost was an antagonist, but I yeah. think he came from a very understandable point of yeah. view. Yeah. Uh, in fact, um, the second that he showed up on the Mormon ship, yeah. you know, we thought he was just going to be this mustache swirling, I'm going to take over the... The ship kind of guy, but he, te- he turned out to be a lot more reasonable than I yeah. thought he was going to be. Yeah. Even though he was uh, working for Anderson Dawes. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. saw a bigger picture in this. Who we, who we actually did not see this season. At all. Like, I, I think they purposely took out Anderson Dawes and they took out uh, uh, Fred Johnson also. Yeah, yeah. just to make like, them. Just to focus on like the other belters. Stuff. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Sure. But, but it's the, the shadow of their, of their philosophy. Presence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this season was like uh, it was frequently thrilling la. Um, yeah, and had a really really good pacing. I thought like when the expense reaches its climax, uh, it is one of the best series uh, out there la. Because yep, when the expense is at its best, like very few series can top it la. Yeah, agreed. It, it really really feels like a top notch show, especially in right. certain episodes, like the mid season finale, yeah. for example. Yeah. Uh yeah, and I love that how it pe- it perfectly balanced two giant plots over a thirteen episode season. Mm. Uh, the expense writers have taken like this very creative approach to adapting James S. A. Corney's um novel series uh, where 
you would expect a one book per season structure. Yeah. yeah. But instead, they divided this into uh, two books over one season. Yeah. So yeah. they didn't need to unnecessarily linger or and have filler yeah, episodes. Out and all that, yeah. Correct lah. Like if if the book ended in the middle of the season, just move on to the next book, and yeah. that's exactly what they did lah. I thought it was a very interesting choice there, especially the reset episode with the documentary and everything. Yeah. Um, it's something that I see a lot of uh, prestige dramas do, but I don't see genre shows do. Yeah. Uh, so this is I feel like the X Men is like a genre, a genre, genre prestige drama. Yeah, yeah. It's a genre prestige. Yeah. Uh, and with it moving to the X, uh, to Amazon next season, it will probably be more of a, a prestige drama. Yeah. By the way, thank you Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Amazon. For okay, but to be show. fair, right? If let's say they got cancelled, right? I I would have been fine. Right. The yeah. ending was very nicely yeah, yeah. I, I would have been perfectly written fine. In, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many more books are there? Uh, there's a lot. I think there's five or six more books. The sixth one is coming out this year, so uh, they can go indefinitely, lah. Um, mm. Amazon is uh, one of the uh, entities in the streaming war going on right now, so they're de- they're desperate for content, and yeah. I think they're gonna keep, they're gonna keep their expense around for as long as possible. Yeah. Um, just because they need it. I don't mind. Uh, sci- sci-fi. I am not complaining. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the problem with the expense is that it it lacks uh live viewership, but it has a ton of on demand viewership. Yeah. yeah. And sci-fi being a traditional network, uh, require for advertising lah. All yeah. the money is in live viewership. Yeah. Um, and Amazon doesn't go by that business model, so it's yeah. Good. So it's 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 a really really good home for the expense as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this particular season as well introduced a ton of uh, interesting new characters mm-hmm. who I immediately uh, really liked. Um, yeah. uh, Anna, for example, I think is my favourite of the new characters. Uh, she is played by Elizabeth Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, right. And she's essentially just she's playing... She's the preacher, right? She's the preacher, correct. Uh, slash uh, speech maker. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, essentially playing Juliet from Lost. Uh, it's, the, it's the same character, <laughs> okay. just in, in a different context. Uh. It's the, the exact much. same intonation, her, her mindset and everything. She's Juliet from Lost, but in the expense, so yeah, that made me excited. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I really like Anna and her point of view. She's very, she's a very calming influence and her interactions with some of our main characters yeah. uh, are really good. Her interactions with... Um, Christian. Uh, Christian, for example. Yeah. yeah. Or, or later on, um, who's the, the, the graph guy? Uh, um, oh, Amos. Amos. Amos, Amos, yeah. Amos, um, Amos that, that, that one, that one like, uh, is, is very um, easily foreshadowed to be some sort of like romantic storyline. Uh. It's uh, it's easy to see that anyone who's ever watched a TV show knows yeah. that they're gonna be an item. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's great, lah. It's a, it's a good dynamic. Um, I like the the little um, the little thing where they sabotage the Rosinante. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. the, yeah, the yeah. That was guy. a great. That was a kind of a. It was a very very good setup, right? <laughs> because up till the point where they reveal, oh, are we in spoiler territory yet? Uh, I guess we can go to light spoilers, sure. Okay, sure. Yeah, th- up to the point when they reveal uh, the uh, the last Mao girl yes. is, is on the ship, right? Mm. I, I thought that was well. I mean, I kind of suspected it, you know, when they started showing Asian her. Though. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, there are very few Asians here. I think it should be Mao. Okay, let's <laughs> go with that. Mao. It's just not, not just Asian. She's uh, very clearly like mixed race. Yeah. 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 She, yeah, she has a very unique look, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely like uh, they cast uh, the perfect actress for it because I I would buy that they were sisters in real life. Yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I like the how I I hated her at the beginning, like you know how like ridiculous her her plot was, uh, yeah, like how of. like extreme she was. Yeah. And then like slowly you gain more sympathy. Like she became sympathetic by the end. Uh, she made the right call in the end. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean like the entire scene where she's listening to Holden talking, right, in yeah. the in the jail cell. Yeah. Uh I thought that was interesting, even though I felt like her redemption arc was really Too fast, right? Very rushed. Yeah. Uh but I mean given the the premise and what they were trying to do at that point in time, sure, by all means, right? Um but I have to say, Amos this season is my favorite character. Mm. Hands down. 
And I was kind of mentioning to Hitler the, the last time I was speaking about it uh, after we were done watching it. It's like, it's so interesting because Amos has been such a broken character over the last two seasons, right? Yeah. And uh, amidst like all these grand uh, narratives of like order and system and all that, you have this <laughs> outsider who's broken and just kind of like not functioning. Mm-hmm. But amidst the chaos, he's the perfect character. Yeah, the yeah. guy who got his head screwed on, right? Yeah, exactly. And like he proposes the most practical things and all the things and what everybody is just kind of wrestling with this great moral yeah. dilemmas right Amos is just like you know what let's just do it just like, get it done yeah I mean like Holden was a bit cray cray yeah right mm-hmm. then Naomi was doing her whole belter thing yeah exactly and, uh, Martian driver guy what's his name Martian driver guy the guy oh, who oh. pilots the ship yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Martian driver guy okay, let's, let's just go with that yeah. I can't remember that name oh god that's so bad at least uh, Martian driver guy by the way pirate guy's name is Ashford he's played by Ashford, David yes. he's played by David Stratham yeah. oh he's yeah. I like him David Stratham yeah yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean Ashford is one of the great new characters but um, at its core it's still a perfectly calibrated ensemble with mm. uh, the, our core four uh. yeah. um, I thought Naomi had a lot of great character development this season yeah, Amos sure. obviously yes, because yeah. Amos just Used to be um, a little puppet love yeah. from by uh, either made... Holden or Naomi. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. She used exactly. he he used to be defined by either Holden or Naomi, but yeah. now he has his own agency and yeah. he has his own character arc, which is great which as is great. well. Lovely. Uh, yeah. Um. Im, Im, yeah. You're right. Amos is hundred percent my favorite, but um, I had a bit of an issue with uh, Holden this season because he just mm. felt like um. He was a plot device. Yeah, Holden felt like a plot device. He was just reacting to things or he was just being possessed by Putro Manu. He got the vision. He got the visions and then he's leading he's leading the plot. Like follow me. Yeah. In the first two seasons, the MacGuffin was either the Mauro or the Proto Molecule. But this season, Holden is Holden the MacGuffin. Yes, yeah. he's our he's our main protagonist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was an, a bit of an issue for me. So I hope that like, Holden gets a bit more autonomy next season. Sure, for sure. I mean, like I, I feel like um, well, now that the gates are open, maybe lah. Perhaps, perhaps we'll see. I mean, the crew is back together again, mm. you know, and I mean, the whole new universe is open to yeah, them. Because so now sure. that all the gates are open, the possibilities are like limitless. Uh. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what they choose yeah, to exactly. end up doing, right? Because there is. So but I haven't read the books, so I have no idea. Me neither. I hope it doesn't turn into Stargate. Uh. Yeah. I mean, not there's anything wrong with Stargate. The beginnings of Stargate were good. Uh. The beginnings of Stargate were good. Uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but with the opening of the Ab- Abaddon Skate in the ring, I'm yep. intrigued to see this uh, high yeah, sci-fi yeah. show slowly evolve into a more fantastical sci-fi show. Yeah. And how that would uh, affect the power dynamics or the political dynamics uh, in our system. Yeah, yeah for sure. Can I just add one last thing? Sure, yeah, go for it. Um, this reminded me a lot of Mass Effect. Hmm. The game. Oh. Yeah, in terms of the gates being... Uh, right, right. Sure, sure. And then like, having and, 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 like... Different. And that the, the politics between different races and then know, like a dead civilization yeah, kind of like affecting yeah, exactly. technology. Yeah, okay, I can yeah. see that thread there. That's all. Um, um, I want you guys read this this uh, season. Uh, nine out of ten for me. Yeah, yep. hands down. Hands like down. easily. Uh, just so many great moments of dialogue that encapsulates that. Uh, Bobby and Amos in well before the firefight, mm-hmm. you know, um, Ars- Arsrala and Anna. So many good so things. Many, right? Kamina yeah. and Ashford in the. In the, the one when they got stuck, the shipping bay. Oh, yeah. such mm. a great moment! So and get thing. get uh, got you like into the belter culture even more, right? Like, yes. okay, this is yes. like cool people. A lot of grand speech making at all. Great yeah, speeches, a lot of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which Indeed. I really, really loved. Okay. Uh, let's talk about um another great live action show. Uh, also taking place somewhere in the future. Uh, but a much nearer future and a more <laughs> dreadful future. Uh, let's talk about the second season of The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. Uh, which is very interesting because this is the first season that goes past uh, Margaret Edwards. Uh, 
she's the novel. Mm. But she's still very involved in the creation. She's still very involved. Uh, clearly, she's one of the executive producers. Yeah. She's in the writer's room. So uh, her fingerprints are all over this. Yeah. Uh, alongside showrunner Bruce Miller, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think f- there's no TV show in history I've admired more yeah. while looking forward to watching less. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's beautifully shot. It's stunningly acted. It's mm-hmm. thoughtfully written. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I just find find it difficult to watch this stuff because it, being, right? it, it's so difficult to watch. It's it's brutal. It's yeah. Uh, it's it's one of the hardest to watch dystopias I've ever seen. It is, and it also makes me appreciate women a lot more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it's it's fucked up that it, it you you need this cautionary tale <laughs> yeah. to tell you what could what could be. What could be? Yeah. But the the scary part is that it's not even that far fetched because there are plenty of societies in the world right now. Where women are put in this position. Yeah. Uh, if you think about the Middle East, or if you talk about the, the, yeah. the Middle East, or if you talk about how uh, democracies can crumble overnight, uh, mm-hmm. Nazi Germany, um, the Cultural Revolution in Iran, for example, because mm-hmm. there used to be a liberal society, and suddenly a, a theocracy just swept through. Even the Cultural Revolution in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in India. Uh. Um, and season two of The Hemi is still, is still on television's most brilliant but brutal experiences. <laughs> Um, I feel myself like, like this is just a personal opinion I, yeah. I think that the show only gets stronger as it expands beyond the novel to develop other aspects of uh, Margaret Edwards' world yeah. mm-hmm. because it gets to work built this season yeah. um, you get looks into the irradiated concentration camps the colonies the colonies uh, or the poor underage uh, econo wives for example so there are all these other aspects that were mentioned in Margaret Edwards' novel but were never explored and, and developed in this season and season 2 got to develop that yeah. exactly um Gilead's like misogynist theocracy, yes, right? Correct. Is uh, it's it remains a potent cautionary tale, uh, kind of uh, elevated by very very good cinematography and incredible acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it doesn't need to be said that Elizabeth Moss is amazing. <laughs> she uh, she won the Emmy for Best Actress last year, and she is the defending champion. Uh. She's, I mean, she wins again this year. I have no problem at all. I have no problems. I just, I just want to see Kara. Someone else. I just want to see Kara so or Claire Foy win yeah, because it's their last time. chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, I'm getting sidetracked, you know. Um, yeah. This season's standout, I think, is two other actresses. One is Alexis Bledel, mm-hmm. uh, whose vulnerability has kind of transitioned into venom this season because she was, she was pretty hardcore in the colonies. You know, yeah. her character development there. Killed uh, someone. She fucking murdered someone. Um, and I also like the development of Yvonne Strahovski, who mm. many of you know from Chuck, uh, but is the Serena, the wife of yeah. uh, Commander Waterford, Mrs. Waterford. Uh, yeah. And she has grown into a more sympathetic figure this season. Yes. And an unlikely ally for Alfred. Yes. Uh, what do Don't you use her slave name. Uh, and an unlikely June. ally for June. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, I like that Yvonne Strahovski has managed to imbue what could have been a very cold character in Serena Joy with like unseen depths and vulnerabilities and her own ambition and there's also a certain irony to discovering that Serena Joy was one of the primacy pol- primary policy makers for Gilead you know at the beginning uh, before the Civil War th- this is what she wanted and how her, her grand dream has so backfired on her yeah uh, yeah what, what, do you, what do you think of the season really? um okay wow uh, so I just recently completed the season mm. and it was just it. I've never been so afraid to watch a series. Mm. You know, uh, the brutality of the the the, the Gilead government was very apparent. You know how they, um, the first scene, the one when they they, they got all the scary, hanging, right? Yeah, uh, the, the, the mass hanging scene. The mass hanging scene. I yeah. was like, Jesus Christ, at Fenway Park, and I was like, No way. Mm. You know, they're, they're very good at taking the symbols of liberty, like Fenway Park or the Boston Globe, yeah. for example, and and turning it upside oh. down. 
Yeah, so in the end, it wasn't really a mess hanging. It was just a lesson. And that was when I was like, Anidia, you are a piece of shit. Yeah, and, and that's not a spoiler because it happens in the first 10 minutes of the yeah. first episode. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of that kind of uh, imagery keeps on happening throughout. Yeah. You know, when they go to the Boston Globe and what they find there, you know, mm. what uh, June finds there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then you understand that June's journey, you know, how she... Uh, how you already sympathize for her and like how you don't want her to go through more of this shit and then more of this shit happens to her and then like oh man enough lah I think like she's gone through enough I, I think like there is a certain level of frustration in in uh, wallowing in the depression yeah. or, or the brutality of the lah. but yeah. at the same time also it would feel uh, unorganic if June was somehow to miraculously just suddenly escape correct of course of course uh, I mean not, not only does that destroy the fundamental the, the show the show fundamentally <laughs> Uh, but it just it just wouldn't feel right lah. Because it, it doesn't make sense that somebody of June's uh, stature could just so easily escape yeah. uh, a dystopia such as this lah. And, she, it, and it, it, they made made sure that we we got that lah. You know, mm-hmm. with the the fact that she got so close. Yeah, you know? multiple times. Multiple times. Uh, yeah. there was the incident when she first ran away. Mm-hmm. Uh, not ran away lah. She just kind of uh, helped along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she got on the plane yeah. only to be taken off mid flight. You no, know? yeah. oh, as it was just about to take and off. And like she pulled when they pulled her out of the plane and that scene, I was like, oh. Mm. No. <laughs> uh, and We're then, back. and then there's also when she was uh, alone in in the woods. Uh, when uh, Nick was suddenly taken away, yeah. when she visited her daughter. Yeah, Hannah. Uh, she could have escaped then, but she couldn't because she went to labor. Yeah. And then in the at the end, right in the finale. Uh, spoiler alert territory now. Yeah. Uh, uh, where she's again given an opportunity to escape, but instead of escaping, she gives up her daughter Nicole to, to uh, Alexis Bledel. Rory Gilmore yeah, uh, Rory to, Gilmore. <laughs> so Rory Gilmore can take her to Canada yeah. uh, and then she goes back to Gilead to save uh, Hannah yeah. which is again could could be very frustrating but it's a maternal thing like she w- it makes sense for her to do that it makes sense in character but it still yeah. doesn't stop the viewer from being frustrated yeah, la, because correct. how many times can you go through this show of she almost escapes she gets captured she almost escapes she decides but it's to go always back. a good reason it's always a good reason yeah. Yeah. it's never stretch credulity la. yeah yeah um, but it seems like, yeah, it's it's frustrating. And that's one of the things that kind of brings it down for me this season. Although, every decision made is logical. Yeah. Yeah. But the frustration is still there. The frustration is still there. Okay, but I want to highlight two characters which I thought were really greatly uh, focused on. Yeah. Anidia is one. Yeah. <laughs> because I hated her at the beginning. But I kind of like sympathised with her as the, the, the season went on. Mm-hmm. And how she interacted with uh, June especially. And how... And he realised that her goal, her her mission of having a baby, uh, of taking care of the baby and making sure that the baby comes to no harm, mm-hmm. is also a noble, twisted, but that noble kind of mm-hmm. thing Intention, that she has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of sympathize with her when she she confessed to uh, um, June about about um, that she had a goddaughter last time and mm-hmm. she died at four and then you know, that kind of thing. Like. Lydia, Aunt Lydia was some someone that. I didn't think I was sympathized by the end. Yeah. Like Serena made more sense because of what she went through this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was the other standout for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Anidia was my other standout this season. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess since we're in spoiler alert territory, we can probably say that um, Rory Gilmore murdered her. Well, she didn't die, right? She didn't die. Yeah, well, got, I mean, she got she's injured. Very, she's very close to death. Like. She yeah. got like stabbed in a chest. But she didn't stab her back. Oh, uh, back yeah, yeah. Uh, down, the stairs, down the stairs, uh, and she kept on kicking her. Yeah, it's uh, it was a, it was really brutal, and at that point, I felt really bad for Anlidia. Although it should have been a cathartic moment, exactly. And I like how they subvert that uh, Exactly right. Yeah, because Emily went through all this shit and finally got uh, the hands, hands on Anlidia. But yeah. at, at that point, you were already sympathetic to her exactly. because you know where she's coming from. So that that caused more frustration for me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I, I think the beautiful part of the Hermit still is that regardless of the level of power of various women like Serena Joy, for example, mm-hmm. or Anlidia, or Alfred, or sorry, June, June, or Emily, um, is that like regardless of what level of power they are in Gilead, they are oppressed or Correct. in one way or another. Lah. And so is Anlidia, to be honest, yeah. and, and yeah. so is Serena. Yeah. Because when Serena tries to achieve a level of autonomy, mm-hmm. let's say uh, when after the bombing, right? And yeah. after Commander Waterford was in hospital. And how she took... She, charge of the policies and all that stuff. Uh, and then in the end... Oh, that's she, a beautiful scene, by the way. Correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, in the end also, she never got any credit for it. Oh. In fact, she was punished for it. Got beaten. Yes, she got beaten and then she lost the finger subsequently for reading the reading Bible. Out. Which was a terrible idea, by the way. <laughs> but um, I guess she was trying to spark an act of rebellion yeah. or, or a policy change by rallying the other wives. Backfired, though. It, it really backfired. Lah. Um, I, I think like the scariest thing about Hemi still for me is that it's it's... Careless government or theocracy seems less and less far fetched every day, yeah. Um, the the one standout episode of the season, uh, there are many standout episodes yeah. of the season, but the one especially horrifying episode in particular, at during the week when all these terrible news stories were coming out from America about immigrant children being separated from yeah. their families because of ICE. Yeah. Um, it's entitled the Last Ceremony, which is the tenth episode, and it's just yeah. this like gutting experience filled with the darkest moments of a show known for its dark moments. Yeah. Uh, June is given a chance to meet her daughter as uh, we yeah. kind of alluded to earlier and um, the two kind of share a small moment together like, in, a, yeah. in a cottage in the woods uh, and then they're forced to live out the separation all over again because mm. you know the reunion is very short lived it's a temporary thing it's a yeah. temporary thing taken away and then there's this imagery of like you know men with guns taking away a child from the mother I know it's, uh, it's, not, it's no longer this cautionary tale dystopian imagery because it's happening in real life la. Yeah. And um, the scary thing about Hemisphere has always been that it's getting less and less far-fetched. That it becomes more and more accurate, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just so terrible. Yeah, it is. Um, but in a good way, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's a TV series, like, critically, it's one of the best TV series. It's, it's, it's an urgent and important TV show to yeah. watch. Um, its themes are very uh, timely. Yep. Uh, yeah, but it's, it doesn't make it any less difficult to watch, mm-hmm, uh, okay. for sure. What do you think of the end of uh, Season 3? Um, it, it was, season 2. I'm sorry, Season 2, leading into Season 3. Um, it was fairly divisive because uh, a lot of people felt that uh, the ending with June, you know, putting the hood over her head, uh, striking that superhero pose, felt very uh, unlike the show. Uh, and a lot of people kind of rebelled against it. Hmm. Um, I think most of most of the Hemi still fandoms and uh, most of the critical uh, articles that I've read uh, were very very harsh on the season finale in particular. I really didn't have that much of a problem with it. Yeah. Personally, mm. I mean, I feel that moment was well deserved. Also, it was earned. Uh, yeah. yeah, because it's not like as if she just suddenly did that. Mm. Like what she went through, the whole journey of getting to that one position mm-hmm. where she could have just gone instead, you know and. I thought it was well well earned la. Mm. Yeah, so I, I was fine with it. Yeah, um yeah. I thought especially because um the handmaid still showrunner Bruce Miller was saying that season three is gonna be almost exclusively focused on the rebellion. Mm. Um so I'm assuming June is gonna join yeah, some, it, join some sort of resistance la. Yeah. Uh and and that is a easy transition from season two to, to season three la, in terms of uh June's mindset, her yeah. psychology and how she suddenly like steeled herself to not just become a victim but to fight back. Right? Exactly. Uh so I, I I personally liked it. A lot of people did not. Mm. Uh yeah. yeah. Uh how would you rate season three? 
Honestly, season two. I keep saying yeah, two. I know, season but it's two. okay. Yeah. Uh, on because we can't, we're excited for season three, <laughs> yeah, season three yeah. <laughs> which is weird because it's such a brutal show. No, because, uh, because I think season three is going to be a more hopeful season. Yeah, and because there shows a, a lot more people yeah. fighting back. Yeah. Um, okay, because of the certain political realities in the world today, mm. because of how they 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 paced if they paced it really well. Yeah, it's so heavy, but yet I was okay watching it. Like yeah. I didn't feel tired and all that. So I would re- and the action uh, the the acting from almost everybody is near flawless from Even Commander Waterford to Lydia to Nick to June nearly everyone yeah nearly everyone was great yeah um I would rate it uh eight and a half nice yeah out of ten right me. yeah I'll, I'll rate it an eight out of ten myself lah yeah. uh, so it's a very highly highly rated highly show re- from us yeah. we didn't even mention anything about Nick's wife. Uh, yeah, Eden. Yeah. I thought Eden was Eden really, was really good. Up, yeah. Um, if you don't know who the actress is, she was from um a show called Everything Sucks, uh, oh. which is this '90s show on Netflix, which which I liked. It is very light and fluffy. Oh, she's from there. Okay. She's from there. Yeah. Uh, she was one of the bullies like, from there. Like, so she's playing oh, a very different character okay, here. Cool. She's on another show right now, which I can't put my finger on, but it's a show that I like very much. I'll I'll remind you guys if it comes to mind okay. later. Like. Um, and from now we are gonna move past the series political life action shows mm-hmm. and men in the walls aside uh, into some cartoons go ahead man let's talk about some cartoons um, Isa will be bringing back Isa's anime corner so yes. take it away Isa yes so uh, as we've just moved into the uh, kind of autumn season for the mm-hmm. year for anime so as usual I'm just going to talk about a couple of things uh, I've got a few new season recommendations based upon our three episode rule uh, the comes highly recommended, as well as um, bringing back some of the franchises that are returning or currently ongoing, which again are highly recommended from us, as well as a very short, brief review of Godzilla: City on the Edge of Battle, the sequel to Planet of the Monsters, right? Uh, Planet of the Monsters, yeah. So I uh, will just dive into it. So uh, I'm not sure if you guys have caught any of the new stuff, but let's just dive. My, I'm going to start with. Um, Right now, I think the, the, probably what's going to shape up to be the best anime of the season, mm. uh, which is a sports anime. And I'm not a big fan of sports animes in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to talk a little bit about Hanebado or the very strangely translated title of the badminton play of Ayano Hanesaki. Wow. Right? It's uh, a long I mean, title. It is very a long specific title. title. And a very specific title, exactly. I mean, it kind of follows the same, like, um, the the basketball that Kuroko plays, right? Mm. Uh, which we are all fans of. Um, so I just want to talk about that for a bit and I am unashamedly going to say that this might be the best sports anime of the modern era just oh. in terms of its production value. Of all and, time? Oh. Closer. closer. Uh, I mean, like, it's very difficult to kind of compare it with the kind of techniques that we have now to say, like, um, Fist of the North Star for example mm. right or even like Slam Dunk which is a great sports anime in its time yeah, right but the animation uh, exactly yeah, it's very yeah. very dated so like uh, up to this season up to this anime for me like the top was Yuri on Ice yeah. right Ooh. followed very closely by uh, Free which is on its third season right now which is a swimming anime uh, and Haikyuu Haikyuu um, and of course followed by Goroko which these have been the really really popular like sports animes in recent times yeah. uh, but Hanebado is mind-blowingly good okay. and it is also a, a very um, it's a great example of the things that you can do in animation that you cannot do in live action okay. right? there are a lot of uh, bodies in motion that I feel that you can't capture in the way uh, in live action that you can 
uh, in anime. Uh, the storyline itself, it's kind of, uh, it's okay. It, it, it's very, I wouldn't say it's cliche, but it's very normal, right? You have a, kind of like a child prodigy who ends up, you know, um, not being interested because of her circumstance and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And is spurred on by her teammates eventually. Uh, but the difference is being that, of course, that badminton is a individual sport for all intents and purposes, right? Yeah. Even if you're playing doubles. And uh, that in and of itself kind of changes it from, say, Haikyuu or Kuroko. Okay. Um, but Yuri is uh, an individual sport yeah, as well. Yeah, Yuri is an individual sport as well. Uh, of course, that's drawn though. Yeah. yeah. It is, it is beautifully drawn. Uh, less of a romance element in this one as well. Okay. Uh, because we are talking... Not boy love though, right? Sorry? Is it boy love or...? No, 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 it's not. Uh, actually, all the, uh, all the main characters are female. Mm. Oh. Yeah. So it has been very, very good. And I have to say, for a sports enemy that's centered around female characters, there isn't a great deal of fan service, which I do appreciate. Uh, as opposed to one of the other beach volleyball ones this season, which is just... <coughs> Pretty much just fan service. Okay. Right. So highly recommended. Uh, it's only a couple of episodes in, but already I am extremely impressed with the animation style and just the way they capture bodies in motion, as well. Uh, following up with that, uh, on the more kind of like typical shonen fantasy stuff, we have Tenro, Sirius the Jaeger, which is about a, a will who joins a vampire hunting team. Sounds interesting already. Um, the story is kind of typical. Uh, they have a very different take on vampires. I think in recent history for Japanese anime, okay. vampires are, have always been kind of idolized as this like ultra cool, ultra suave kind of thing yeah. going on. But this in time West, around, in Western and uh, fiction as well, yeah, like exactly, Helsing, right? Helsing, Helsing um, or even more recently Castlevania, oh, Castlevania right? Yeah. Like, uh, but in this time, like vampires are portrayed as the monsters, and the werewolves are now the heroes, which is a quite interesting take. Um, I'm not really sure exactly how the plot is going to unfold or whether it will get any more interesting than the premise okay. itself. But again, the animation work and the soundtrack especially is quite uh, stunning okay. uh, from what I have now. Uh, and then kind of moving on to a couple other notable mentions and a bit more of a light uh, light watch. Uh, it sells at work, which is basically... Uh, and white blood cells? Uh, Anthropomorphize um, cells in your body, basically. Mm. Uh, the humor is great. Uh, it's a bit absurd, <laughs> uh, but extremely educational, I have to say. Uh, and so far, it's been really, really good and very fun to watch. Uh, on the more slice of life note, we've got Holmes at Kyoto Teramachi Sanjo, which is basically about a very Sherlock Holmes-like character, uh, a young boy who works at an antique shop. Wow. Okay. Uh, and of course, like you get all your typical homes as tropes where he basically reads the case out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's episodic, very easy to get into, and very, very fun. Um, in addition to that, there's Chio School Road, whose premise is extremely simple, but the absurdity of the, of the, and, and the antics of the show uh, have uh, been very entertaining so far. So it's basically about a girl's every morning uh, kind of. Uh, journey to her school right so every day when she wakes up Uh uh, she basically encounters ridiculous things on her way to school and is almost always late (laughs) right and it's like it's such a simple (laughs) thing but it's so absurd Uh, and I'm really really enjoying it right now because it's it's very easy to kind of catch on and uh, kind of the last one that I think to just top that off in absurdity is called Backstreet Girls where it's about these three Yakuza guys Uh 
right, uh, because of some fuck up that they've done, uh-huh. are sent to Thailand for gender reassignment surgery Wait, what? by their Oya uh, Oyabun, which is I mean their, their the mafia boss, boss yeah. right? And uh, they have to they are forced to come back and work as idols, <laughs> nice. and it is hilariously funny, okay. right? Because it's basically these three yakuza guys. Inside the body of like these live Japanese idol mm-hmm. characters, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's and everything kind of like um, expands from there. It's really really funny. And if that's kind kind of your thing, then by all means, it's a yakuza drag race. Yeah, kind of, kind of. It's yeah. it's really quite mind blowing. Uh, how how funny that premise can actually be, yeah. right? Uh, also, returning this season is Overlord season three, uh, about a guy who finds himself trapped. Uh, and in the in a game like world, at yeah. the end of when the game is terminated, He's he gets trapped in the world, right? Really? Uh, and he finds himself in like this very strange, like almost like Overlord situ- um, hence the title Overlord situation, where he's in command of some very very powerful characters. Uh, in season three, season one and two are on Netflix. Yep. Season three is five episodes in. Uh, for people who have caught the first two seasons, it's been great so far. Okay. Um. And still continuing uh, is, of course, our favourite My Hero Academia, mm-hmm. which is still amazing. Uh, there's nine episodes left. Nine, nine episodes left in Season 3, so I think in a two episodes, we'll probably be wrapping up My Hero Academia is, yeah. in Season 3 in general. Yeah, yeah But uh, it's going very, very well so far. E- exactly. And yeah. I will we'll go more into detail. It's gone from strength to strength, I feel. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's no going down. Yeah. Um, one of the things to kind of take note of, if you're a big fan of Attack on Titan, Season 3 is out. Yeah. Uh, but again, having not learned from kind of like the season two, season two uh, the first three episodes have been incredibly boring Ay-yum. and slow. Um, it has to be noted that for people who have read the manga, you kind of know where this is going. And the manga has gotten extremely dialogue heavy and very philosophical and not necessarily in a good way. Okay. And uh, it's very... It, Looks like from the first three episodes of season three that that's where they go going. down that exact same road, Oui. right? So I mean, like if you're a big fan, please by all means go ahead and check it out. But I do not have high hopes for season three. Okay, uh, and I like I did for season two. And last but not least, let's talk about Godzilla. Which, yeah. Uh, did any of you catch it? Did no. Any of you catch it? Okay. Tell so us about it. I've still only seen the first ten minutes of the first movie. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it kind of boiled down to you can't review it. Since I was the, did you finish the first one? Halfway, remember? halfway. I so told you okay. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, being the only one that kind of finished it, you kind of <laughs> tell us about it. it. Mm. Uh, okay, so they kind of pick off almost exactly where we ended the last time round. Uh, spoiler alert for those of you who have haven't seen the first one, uh-huh. where they've destroyed what they thought to be Godzilla and realized that oh no, it's not the actual Godzilla; it's just like a mini Godzilla along the side. And now, oh. lo and behold, you have this. Uh, 300 meter tall Godzilla that appears out of nowhere wow. and you discover that that is Godzilla after the original Godzilla Godzilla right? Prime pretty much right exactly actually they go quite a bit into that idea okay um, as well and uh, you kind of pick up from there so okay. all the characters that you thought might have died in the first one all miraculously appear to be alive huh yes okay, never mind never mind yeah um, and uh, again uh, it is not at all subtle in the allegories that they're trying to draw, uh-huh. right? With the entire idea of um, humanity and um, the environment or, or, or Gaia, right? Like um, rebelling, Yeah, you know, and this whole idea, especially like if you, I don't know if you guys got to the part where they kind of like basically 
napalm the entire forest just to create landing sites for themselves. No. Uh, but we continue in that trend, right? Okay. Whereas that was um, Godzilla coming in for uh, Planet of the Monsters, right? Godzilla coming back was kind of like Earth retaking itself, yeah. right? And this and for this particular one, you discover the existence of a human-like race that apparently has evolved from insects. What? With its own culture, huh? with its own sentience, with its own, like, a, a very human-like race that they kind but of But then discovered. they have been around for 10,000 years. They left Earth for 10,000 uh, 20, years. 20,000. 20,000 Okay, that so, makes sense. That's yeah, possible. So it has... Um, the problem is it's throwaway. They never actually expand upon that. Maybe they will in part 3, now okay. that we know that there is going to be a part 3. Uh, and uh, it's kind of throwaway. And there is a literal... Doers ex machina. What? Oh, a god. Uh, a Godzilla in a machine. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> literally. So, yes, it is the return of Mecha Godzilla. So, they build it in the oh, first. Damn. Exactly. In the past. And, and, it didn't work. Yeah. And, uh, so, you have this entire idea of, um, uh, you know, um, we, in order to reclaim the earth, right, you go back to the exact same problem which is at the beginning, which is this entire idea of the nano. Uh, tech that yeah. was used to create Mechagodzilla yeah. now becomes the other monster, right? Because it is also all-consuming. Mm. Much like Godzilla is all dis- uh, is destructive and all-consuming and all-powerful in okay. its own sense. Is that like this? Oh. Oh, it's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So many things have to kill it. So it's just, it's just, it's just this... But humanity is fucked. So between the backdrop <laughs> of this entire idea of Gaia and the natural order of things and Godzilla now being king, mm. right, of the environment... Uh, and this idea of technology and the future and the destruction of the environment set against these two very the clash of these two very grand ideas right okay. or grand grand concepts right you have these very punitive moments of moral dilemma okay um, with especially the the main um, yet another whiny as anime protagonist oh boy right and it does not pay off very very well uh, they do set up a interesting uh, much like much like the live action Godzilla uh-huh. right they do hint at more um, powerful kaiju coming along okay uh, that will that will probably face up against Godzilla himself okay um, but overall long story short if you've watched the first one and powered through that uh, feel free <laughs> to add to your time investment But you're not talking about A recommendation here like. It is not a recommendation My rating for it Is a 5 upon 10 uh, The pacing is better uh, The fight scenes Are amazing It okay. is still gorgeous okay. In terms of its animation In terms of the soundtrack okay. All of that But the story itself And the pacing Is problematic Okay. Mm. Uh, still Right, and nothing has changed since then. It is a slight improvement And if you ask me To kind of look at it Across both parts Thus far It is it is a better product than it was with only part one. Okay. Mm. So I think it, I struggle to say that it will go from strength to strength because now that we found out that it's more than just one part, right? There are at least four to five more parts coming out mm. from uh, the rumor mill at least. Um, but yeah, I mean like if you are a big fan of the cell shading kind of art style, it is some of the best animation that's available right now in the, for, for that particular art style. Uh, but if you can forgive all those things, it's it's beautiful to watch. Okay. And if you can deal with the pacing, um, so so be it, lah. All right. Right. So it's a five out of ten for me. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you're a big fan of Godzilla, 
and just that particular art style then by all means uh, as you will um, from ISIS uh, Anime Corner what are the three things that you must watch must watch is Hanebado for sure yeah um, Hanebado for sure please catch up with My Hero Academia okay. 100%. for sure yeah. uh, and I'll just throw in a, a notable mention right yeah. uh, I think I mentioned it to you last time yeah. it's not on Netflix yet but sure. it's a Netflix production called Bucky right it is a hyper violent almost like underground MMA anime where the premise is ridiculous everything is ridiculous right it's like uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure but hyper violent okay which is saying a lot because Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is already so if you watch this yes uh, I've been catching up on it so it's like four episodes in and it's basically about these uh, ridiculously muscular men who have muscles bulging out from every portion of their body right. imaginable yeah, that, that sounds like fighting nothing. to be the strongest man on earth alright right and the main protagonist is a 17 year old Japanese boy Oh. Who has recently been, been crowned the best fighter on the planet. Who is not that muscular? Who is extremely muscular. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. It, it, but the fight scenes have been inventive. Oh. Uh, the violence has been over the top and all around very, very entertaining. Okay. Uh, the gore factor, I think for me, ranks up there with Terraform Mars. Which for me is one of the most like gore heavy uh, mm. anime on, series. On Terraform Mars, when you mentioned that Godzilla, the insect people thing, it got me thinking of Terraform Mars. Oh, yeah. Kind of, kind of. I mean, like they never explored in depth, right? Okay. Everything was so shallow. Yeah, so that's fine. We'll see how that pans out, right? Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's just kind of a notable venture. But Hanebaru for sure. Please catch up on My Hero Academia, which might be one of the best animes in recent history. Mm. Uh, and um, just for like fun stuff, like sales at sell sales at work has really really been a very interesting, kind of a very uh, a very Pixar like concept actually. To be honest, yes, uh, yeah. uh, Pixar like yes, actually that is very very. Apt. Reminds me of Osmosis Jones. Remember that movie? Osmosis oh. Jones or Inside Out? Or Inside Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good into the body. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, very. Or Rick and Morty the episode <laughs> for John Oliver. Oh, that that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those those three uh, will be must watches. Everything else, um, it's a bit early to say because I mean, three three episodes in is kind of tough. Maybe we will revisit it at the end of mm, the, the season. Season, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. that makes sense. I am most intrigued by Backstreet Girls. Me too. So, oh my uh, god! I'll, yeah, I'll uh, I want to catch that yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is a very kind of like niche kind of humor, right? Okay. It's mm-hmm. it's very like it's very crude and very coarse, but just that I believe they want. The premise the, sounds the, interesting. The term is get away, right? Which yeah. is basically like this. It is because of the dissonance that's why it's so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, itself, but <laughs> it's really, really good. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, that is it for this month's ISIS Anime Corner. Yeah. Uh, it's probably gonna be a quarterly segment. We're gonna we're gonna revisit it maybe three months from now or yep. when the season yep. ends. Mm-hmm. We're definitely gonna revisit My Hero Academia. Academia, I'm sorry. Uh, specifically, just because it's a special enemy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. So when that season ends, uh, we'll we'll do a big feature on it on uh, probably episode nine or episode ten. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, now we're gonna go into quick hits, which is my own quick hits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a, a a really fast rundown of recommendations or things that you should not watch. Like this recommendation. Yes. Yeah. This kind. Of, okay. Yeah. That's not a word. Don't look it up. Yeah, don't look it up. <laughs> yeah. Journalists. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so for this month's Quick Hits, as I mentioned, it's going to be very, very animation heavy mm. uh, with one really, really bad live action show <laughs> on Netflix. Uh, but let's let's run through it. Uh, let's start with the good stuff. Yeah. Let's start with the good stuff. What's the good stuff? Okay. Uh, the first thing that I'm going to be talking about is actually a show that um, Isa Fong recommended to me maybe a few years ago. It's called Steven Universe. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's one of the best shows that I've seen this this month. Yeah. Or, sure. or this year, to be honest. Um, I think like Western animation right now is kind of just in the middle of a golden age. Mm, you yes. know, with uh, shows like Bojack Horseman and Ray and Morty have emerged as like standard bearers 
for adult cartoons. Yeah. Um, and over on the children's side as well, shows like Steven Universe have shown an amazing amounts of amazing amount of emotional depth and nuance yes, yes. that is is rare for at least cartoons that I had growing up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the series kind of started out as like a slice of life story about a young boy and his magical family, uh, but it's emerged into like one of these most one of the most daring cartoons I've seen in yeah. terms of its open-hearted stories and mm-hmm. in terms of its uh, LGBTQ themes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's rare to see a kid show these days deal with like themes like intimacy, love, abuse. Uh, and the constant threat of annihilation um, <laughs> that, while at the same time still being so deeply poignant yep. but while balancing all of that with like Steven's simpler joyful moments of like you know eating a donut yes um, <laughs> but the, in in season one the show was very simple it was it very um, self-contained a lot mm-hmm. of the episodes were very one-off yep. mm-hmm. um, as the show has grown especially right now in season five yep. it's, it's become very very serialized yes wow. um, episode I because I binged it over the last maybe six months, yeah. I, I noticed the growth very drastically. Mm. Season 4 and season 5 in particular were so serialized. Yeah. There were no longer one-off episodes. Every episode bled into another. Yeah. So there oh. were like good chunks of like 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 episodes that just basically made up one giant episode. Yeah. Uh, it's very rare for, to see a cartoon like that. Yeah. Uh, but it's especially interesting because... Um, they're usually like what ten minute, fifteen minutes episodes. Uh, eleven minutes is probably the yeah, average, right? Yeah. So, uh, and the fact that it, I started off watching it basically because it was like this very simple kind of episodic thing. The music was great. I like the animation style, right? And for that to have gone from such a very very kind of like silly, if somewhat simple goofy. premise, goofy, yeah. yeah, a goofy silly premise into one some of the best world building I've seen mm. you know in western animation so far and the most emotionally complicated show I've ever seen actually like in terms of just either adult or children shows because it, the emotional complexity in this reminds me of stuff like in, in Bojack Horseman actually. yes actually yeah. it gets very very dark and it's very surprising mm-hmm. and, but uh, I think it's always been very hopeful which yeah. is a very different take on say our Rick and Morty with yeah. his whole nihilist, nihilist yeah. problem and of course the extent existentially problems that Bojack, Bojack faces. Has, uh, which deals a lot with mental illness. Mm, exactly. uh, but with Steven Universe, I think he has, at his core, it's a very kind-hearted, open-hearted show. Uh, and the moments of emotional honesty that Steven Universe brings has kind of be- become a meme in itself in the in the series. Yeah. Because in season 5, there were several problems that ended with a big speech by Steven. Like, yeah. Which would not typically solve the problem in season, season yeah. 1. Yeah. But in season 5, they were just like, Oh shit! His speech didn't work. Yeah, you know they, this problem is more complicated than uh than a, a fourteen year than a speech from a fourteen year old boy. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. you can't just be nice and solve everything. Yeah. Uh, and it has grown up with Steven Universe. Uh, yes. Steven Universe was a young boy, an adolescent going to a teenagehood, mm-hmm. and now he is a uh, young adult. He is a young adult with young adult problems. Yeah. Uh, on a, on a universal scale. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's it's great. I mean, as you mentioned, the animation is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the music in particular has been a standout from season one to five. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Rebecca Sugar's uh, compositions, uh, very very nice and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful songs, especially its ending song. Yeah. Um, uh, the chiptune composers who do their normal score, you know, ranging from like either jazz to drum and bass. Uh, it was so good that I went to buy the album on iTunes. It oh, is, wow. it is yeah. really, really, really good. Yeah. Like the, the, just the way that they've kind of gathered this entire community of creators. I believe it was on Tumblr, actually. Mm. They kind of like gathered their own little thing uh, and started with the pilot on their own before it got picked up. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, um, Rebecca Sugar famously was an animator and storyboarders on Adventure Time. Yeah. Um, oh, she pitched okay. the show independently of Adventure Time, it, basically just animating the pilot during her free time. Yeah. Uh, pitched it to Cartoon Network. They loved it. Yeah. She quit Adventure Time to focus on this because mm-hmm. she had trouble doing both at the same time. Yeah. During the first season, she was actually working on Adventure Time and Steven Universe, and she said that uh, she worked herself to death. Uh, she just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and. Yeah, it's it's turned out to be I think for me like a show better than Adventure Time. Yes, for uh, sure. Yeah. Um For sure. I don't think Adventure Time ever reaches into the this realm, right? Mm-hmm. Of deep oh uh very deep philosophical questions, mm-hmm. very deep emotional problems. Mm-hmm. Uh it, like Adventure Time as good a series as it is, right, never even touches that. Yeah. You know, so. uh, I mean, even recently, the season 5, the major plot is um, Stephen being abducted by the gems in the homeworld and being put on trial for his mother's uh, war crimes. Yeah. Uh, that in itself, uh, Stephen discovering that his mother wasn't what he thought he was. Mm, yes. Uh, it's, it's actually a very complicated issue. Yes. Uh, there's also, I mean, other complicated issues like, for example, Pearl's resentment of Stephen. Uh, although, I mean, she doesn't blame Stephen for the mother being dead, lah, but yeah. at the same time, she has this resentment to Stephen for taking away what was essentially her reason for being. Yes, exactly. Uh, and also, not only that, uh, has resentment towards uh, Greg Universe as well mm, yes. uh, for falling in love yeah. with um, Rose Quartz. Rose Quartz. Uh, also, the revelation that Rose Quartz was actually Pink Diamond. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Pink Diamond was the one who faked the death, became Rose Quartz. Uh, yeah. Uh, that really tore apart the team. La. Yeah, okay. it really does. Uh, I, I mean, like, just going on to that, like, for, about Pearl's resentment, right? It's actually something you can spot in season one. Yeah, very right? early on. And very, very early on. And because, like, I'm assuming some of you guys are going to go binge this. Yeah. Uh, because it is really that easy to binge. Uh, yeah. You're going to see that thread be very, very consistent yeah. throughout the, uh, all five seasons, in fact. And that is one of the standouts for Steven Universe, the fact that mm-hmm. they establish early on character traits and they examine it and they go very deep into it mm-hmm. and it is consistent, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that we can't say for most uh, media over five seasons. Yeah. Period, uh, hun- animated hun- or not. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is more than 150 episodes, but considering each episode is 10 minutes long, yeah. it's a very easy binge. Yeah, it is. It uh, is. My favourite episode from this season was called The Question. Oh. Uh, basically, um, well, uh, Garnet is made out of um, two gems. Uh, yes. She's a fusion of uh, Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, and then upon the revelation of Pink Diamond being uh, Rose Quartz, they split up mm-hmm. uh, because they've been lied to. Yeah. They uh, they want to find autonomy for themselves. Yeah. But uh, in the end, they came back together because the reason they fused was because of love. Yeah. Uh, and then Ruby actually proposes to Sapphire, which yes. I think is the only same-sex marriage on, in in cartoon, at least in children's in young, cartoon, young, yeah, children's cartoon. Uh, yes. and it's it's done in such a sweet and normalized way. Mm, uh, yeah. I, I think it teaches kids the right values, la. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, uh, fantastic stuff. Um, White Diamond is coming next season. She's being uh, teased as a very very grave threat, like bigger than yellow or blue diamond. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she was teased in SDCC, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Steven Universe movie also coming soon. Yes. Ooh, yes. Wow. Uh, fantastic stuff. And speaking of Steven Universe, uh, much in the same way that uh, Rebecca Sugar used to be an animator and storyboarders for a better time, she quit yeah. to do Steven Universe. Uh, you know the Ghanaian family in uh, Steven Universe, the the guys who run the fish. Uh, Fish pizza? Yeah. Fish soup pizza? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the Ghanaian family is actually based on one of the storyboarders called Ian Jones Quarty. Yeah. Uh, and Ian Jones Quarty himself, uh, during this fifth season of Steven Universe, was developing his own show called OKKO OK Ke- OK Let's Be Heroes. Yeah. He has since recently quit Steven Universe because his show got picked up. Yes. So, so now he's working full time on yeah. that as well. Uh. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, so Ian Jones, Quarty, um, met Rebecca Sugar while they were both working on Adventure Time. They created Steven Universe mm-hmm. together, and now he's going off doing his own doing thing. Like. thing yeah. So I like this whole like progression of talent. Yeah, it, it has been. It has been. Yeah, it, it, it's just the gathering of that uh, particular community and what they stand for, right? Mm-hmm. And the great stuff that is coming out of there. Yeah. If I'm not wrong, uh, the We Bear Bears people are also part of that that particular clique. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's very, very interesting the There's way a bunch of talented people. The, the Cartoon Network crew. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Oki Kyo Let's Be Heroes isn't as good as Steven Universe, but mm. it's still a very, very charming uh, small story about a sweet little boy who yearns, he yearns to become the best superhero that ever was. Mm. It, it's a bit like uh, Midoriya from you know, My Hero Academia, yes. but done in the style of Steven Universe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, in its second season, though, Oki Kyo Let's Be Heroes has become a more, much more drastically compelling show mm. because it's like Steven Universe, introducing more darker and more complex narratives without ever losing the heart and the fun that yep. made it so captivating initially. Um, so this is a Saturday morning cartoon with a surprising amount of emotional depth, never to the level of Steven Universe, but yep. at the same time, I never thought Steven Universe would get this deep. Exactly. So I'm going to give OK Kill as Hero time to yep. develop itself. Yep. Um, another recommendation as well, mm. um, Steven Universe for me this season 5 is, I think the only show... At least this episode, I will rate a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Okay, Kyo, Let's Be Heroes, it's a 7 out of 10. Wow. Mm. Uh, yeah, but Steven Universe, 10 out of 10, 100%, you gotta yeah. watch it, you gotta Please binge watch. it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, we will be talking about the latest season of Voltron, <laughs> uh, which is only six, seven episodes, seven actually. Um, How so do you find it? After five seasons and 45 episodes, uh, DreamWorks Animation, uh, this is DreamWorks, right? Yeah. Yes. Slash Netflix, lah. Yes. Yeah, so, so. uh, has been so impressive, it should be difficult. For new episodes to go above and beyond the stories already delivered so far, but happy to say that season six manages to do just that. Uh, the new seven episode arc tears open the legendary Defenders universe in ways that neither the series nor its original series has ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until this point, Voltron has always focused mostly on the paladins, yeah. uh, the pilots who fly the you know the robot yeah, lions. Lion, yeah. uh, but recently, Volto- Voltron has wrapped up the Zarkon arc, which frees the story to switch to uh, the other machinations of, of the wall. Yeah. So you, you kind of focus on other characters uh, in the in the particular universe. So I like how it's expanded. Uh, it's a very, very short season, but the pacing and the plotting works, especially since the early episodes take time to explore the heady sci-fi concepts yeah. and personal relationships before the last few installments kind of rocket towards a breakneck pace that delivers all our action mm-hmm. and um, pretty much game-changing consequences for the show itself. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's a good seven point five out of ten for me. Yeah. This one. Alright. Yeah. I don't uh, think you catch Uh I'm still like season three. Okay. Yeah, because so it's a bit slower on the Singapore Netflix. Uh, uh yeah, yeah yes. I watched this by other means. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I think this particular season, uh, exactly what you said, right? The mm. whole, um, again, it's kind of like what what's happening with Handmaid's Tale, right? It, mm. it, this um this reboot of Voltron has far superseded the, the original content of the well. the. Uh, I mean the original animation yeah expanded right? the universe and, and mythology and, 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 and on the characters as well and it's reached a point whereby it's, it's a brand new world yeah I mean universe. because when I watched I mean I watched the original Voltron as, mm. yeah as a kid right yeah as a kid and it was it was simple and easy to mm. it's a half an hour you know cartoon that yeah. made sense la, at that time la, yeah you know and so like the it, I think um, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes because I feel that they've they pushed it to its logical conclusion, right? Oh, okay. So they've examined everything that the original series did, okay. expanded upon that, a very easy art style to enjoy, uh, great music, 
yeah. uh, great characters. I mean, like the fandom surrounding some of the shipping that is going on is quite mad. Mm. Uh, it is quite mad. Uh, yeah. From um, what I read, there is another season that's already season been... seven will be coming out in a month or two months. Okay. Yeah, yeah but that will be a full thirteen episode season. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought it was very interesting for them to kind of like have half a season uh, as a full season this time round. Mm. Uh, but it was very fitting, mm-hmm. like the way that they did it. Uh, it opens a lot of avenues and I, I feel like this is kind of a common thread with all the things that we've been talking about for this particular podcast with Expanse opening a whole new universe, uh, universe to them. Yeah. And Maiden's still going past the books. Yeah. You know, uh, it, again, kind of in the same thread as well. Even and men going to the quantum realm. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the theme uh, for this. Uh, okay, this <laughs> Expansion. Uh, expansion. And men is significantly less substantive than the other titles. Exactly. Oh, definitely. Exactly. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be moving into another cartoon called yeah. uh, Troll Hunters. Another DreamWorks production. Yes. DreamWorks is incredible. I didn't manage to catch this. Yeah, uh, yeah Troll Hunters is, is great. It's actually from the mind of uh, Gomo de Toro. Okay. He's who obviously you know, recently won an Oscar yeah. <laughs> for uh, The Shade of Water um, but uh, a lot of people don't know that he's actually been doing uh, Troll Hunters for the last three years as well on Netflix mm, yeah. um, it's the tale of a kid named uh, Jim Lake Jr who's a high school student uh, in the suburb of Arcadia right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who discovers a hidden world of trolls beneath his feet and becomes embroiled in this centuries long conflict yeah. uh, I really really like Troll, Hunter. I f- Troll Hunters I feel like it's a very um Inventive and very addictive show. Yes. Now in its third and final season, um, oh. Jim and his and his team of both human and troll allies alike face the ultimate evil of uh, Gunmar and his cohorts. Um, okay. The final confrontation brings about a very satisfying conclusion to the Troll Hunter story so far. Yeah. With some twists and turns that fans are going to debate. I don't know whether they'll like it or not, uh, but they are going to debate it. Yeah, yeah. It will be a huge talking point and. The, the world itself will continue past show hunters. Yeah. It, uh, I think past Jim Lake as well. Past Jim, yes. Uh, so we'll see where the mythology goes. But in terms of show hunters itself, I think that the third season was a very, very nice wrap up to a very inventive uh, show. Yeah. Um, I do have to mention that there is a lot going on in the season. Perhaps too much mm-hmm. to address. Yeah. Um, every, in, in a way that is satisfying. Uh, no, okay, satisfying. It's actually quite satisfying. But in a way that, uh, in a deeper way. Yeah. Um, a lot of things felt rushed and quite surface. Yes, uh, but the troll hunters do wrap up nicely and rewards fans for the years of devotion. Mm. Um, one particular talking point I do have to bring up is a sad one: is that um, this was the last work of Antonio Ochin before yeah. he passed away, mm-hmm. um, ran over by his own car, I believe. Wait, uh, yes, uh, he was pinned against his game. mailbox. Yeah, yeah, a few years ago. A few years ago, Antonio Ochin, um, you know. Um, Oh, Chekhov, yeah, right? Chekhov. From uh, Star Trek, the oh, new yeah, Star Trek. I remember yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and I'm uh, Green Room, which is a great horror movie uh, yeah. as well. Uh, so he has been voicing Jim Lake for the last three years as yeah. well. Uh. He had completed half of season three at the point of his death. Yeah. Uh, so in the middle of season three, he's replaced by Emil Hirsch, who's brought on to finish out the work. Um, it's a tough decision, lah. I yeah. I do understand, mm-hmm. but it's, it's it's hard to make, and I I do have to give Emil Hirsch credit because he was actually quite good. Yes. And I mean, it's noticeable, but it's barely noticeable. It, well, it kind of tied in at the same point in time in the season where certain changes happened to Jim as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I I kind of saw that it was it was convenient. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I I do I do miss Anton's work. Mm. Uh, because like you've kind of over two seasons you kind of get to know the character especially the voice in the animated series right mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of I mean you could feel the change for sure okay. for sure yeah, yeah. Um, True Hunters is, is highly recommended I, it has one of the best pilots I've ever seen actually in, in season 1 episode 1 yes. uh, mm-hmm. it continues to be a lot better than uh, it continues to get a lot better mm-hmm. um, I recommended this to I think I saw a few years ago or maybe last year uh, uh, last you, year you've, Caught up, really. Yeah, yeah, I finished the entire thing. Uh, it was one of my 
Troll Hunters? The yeah. stuff, yeah. I think Troll Hunters and Steven Universe was something that we exchanged. Yes. And uh, yeah, now we both have caught up on two like, excellent shows. Uh, Troll Hunters is an 8 out of 10 for me. Okay. Uh, the next one is live action. Oh, going back to life. The real life, it sucks. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Tao. Which so is wait, a, this is a diss recommendation? This is a diss recommendation. D-I-S-S? Yeah, just a diss. Uh, it's just okay. a diss. Uh, Tao is a new movie on Netflix. It, uh, it follows a street smart grifter by the name of Julia who is kidnapped and held captive in an artificially intelligent futuristic house. So this is a unique twist on the haunted house genre except the house itself is sentient. Uh, unfortunately, it's boring and predictable and it's not even good enough to be a filler episode of Black Mirror. Wow, yeah. that bad. Um, yeah, I'd rather you watch a, a recent X-Files episode where Mordor fights an artificially intelligent sushi, sushi restaurant, restaurant yeah. which is a lot a lot better version of this. Yeah. Covered it a few months ago, right? Yeah, yeah. a few months ago. Um, Tao is um, a solid 3 of 10. Wow, yeah. solid. Yeah. Solid. I, I think we need a new like uh, a new kind of rating whereby we just tell them how far we got into the thing. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't manage 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Uh, this is a show I hear, see here. It's Gary Oldman, right? Mm, uh, he's, he's the voice he's, of he's the, the yeah, house. Correct. Yeah. Doesn't save it. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Not even close. What else? Uh, yeah, that's it for this month's hard hits. Uh, hard hits. Uh, quick hits. hits. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I confused our other show. Uh, that, that, yeah, that's a wrap for this uh, month's quick hits. Uh, obviously, there'll be more quick hits next month. But okay. for now, we'll move on to a bit of the sadder news. Yeah. We'll remember some of our fallen creators, mm. uh, dearly departed. Um, we'll be talking about Steve uh, Ditko, who, you know, Super famous, Harlan yeah. uh, Ellison and uh, John Schnapp. Uh, let's let's begin with Harlan Ellison. He actually passed away on the day of the recording of our last uh, genre quality, so yeah, we didn't yeah. really have time to put something no. together. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about like what we remember of Harlan Ellison. I mean, me personally, I always felt that he was this very firebrand type of character, almost like a Kanye West like figure of uh, science fiction, yeah. Yeah. whose volatile and controversial personality. <laughs> Belies his genius writing yes. um, So if you're looking To get into his works I have some recommendations mm. But uh, before I get into it you guys have uh, Anything you want to say About Harlan Or mm. any recommendations Of his work I, I kind of feel like um, he, The drama that surrounds him And his life And his work Right Kind of Belies how genius He actually is mm. Can you? Yeah Basically Basically Right You cannot yeah. Deny the genius Of his work if you can push past all the drama, yeah, uh, and like uh, so many major, major things in genre, uh, uh, Star Trek, for example, yeah, I'll, I'll get sh- into that, yeah, yeah, him yeah, shooting with Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> you know, Babylon Five and all of that, uh, just like it's it's tough to that. I think think for me, and I I don't know if you're recommending it, mm. but what I will always remember is the first time that I read, uh, I have no mouth but I must scream, yeah, which yeah, is uh, one of the most disturbing short stories I've ever read and yeah. to this day still haunts me once yeah, that's the one that you recommended to me last time mm-hmm. so yeah that, I read that too and yeah, yeah. I have to say that's it one is, of the best it's, yeah. a, it's a, a disturbing story about a future in which like AI machines have killed off all but a few humans mm. uh, but keep them immortal and torture them eternally and mm. I won't tell you how Yeah, uh, but you gotta read it la. it's yeah, amazing. It is amazing it is amazing and I think like that is for me his standout work Yeah, uh, and very very Characteristic of the man himself. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On point. Uh, how about you, Heidi? Same. That was the thing I was gonna recommend. Also, yeah. I have I have no mouth and I must scream. Was it's actually one of the best things. One of the best and was actually adapted into a game. Oh yes. 
So I I tried looking for this game. Yeah. Uh, right. And I I've, I've seen there there are a lot of artifacts online and stuff like that, screenshots and stuff like that. But I cannot find a working game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that. But if uh, any of you do, please feel free to play it. Yeah. It is um he's heavily involved in the game itself. Yeah. yeah. He voices uh AM. Yeah. Uh, in the game, and he was part of the writing team as well. Yeah. So like uh, it is the game is a very. Uh, is an extension of the story itself and something that he personally saw too. So mm-hmm. I would I would recommend it if you can get a hold of it. Please please go ahead and look at it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, another interesting fact is that I think the game is an iOS. Really? Yeah, Are you serious? Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I know. Platform is iOS really. and Android. So, so uh, later go and try and find it. Yeah, you, yeah. you can yeah. definitely go download it. Yeah. Um, other things I want to recommend is yeah. a short story called Repent Harlequin said the TikTok man is uh, depicting a dystopian future mm. which time is strictly planned out. So being late is a crime. Oh. And the punishment for being late is time taken off your life. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. That's a very, very interesting story. Um, another smaller story is called A Boy and His Dog. It's a short story following a teenage donor named Vic as he and his canine companion navigate a dystopian wasteland and discover mm. an underground civilization. If it sounds like I Am Legend, you're right, but it's a lot better. <laughs> um, uh, that was made into a film, right? Yeah, A Boy and His Dog. Uh, I've never seen the film. I've only read a short story. Um, second last thing I want to recommend is uh, Jeff T is Five. It's a short story a boy who nev- about a boy who never ages beyond five. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. So the story actually minds a lot of uh, horror and humour from the lack of reason or inquiry into why he remains stuck. Okay. And why his radio only picks up uh, programs from when he was when he first turned five. So there's a nice little twist at the end there, which I, obviously I won't spoil. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but my favourite of his stories... Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm a Trekkie. Uh, discovery notwithstanding um, <laughs> But uh, I mean Ashamedly I've only I only started watching The original series uh-huh. Last year Oh okay um, I mean I, I started with TNG Obviously Everybody we, I mean our generation Our generation Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we started watching In the 90s right yeah, yeah. Uh, Captain Picard was my first captain Same yeah. uh, And then you know uh, No shame in it yeah, no shame in that. Right? And then Deep Space Nine and then Voyager and then the thought of like kind of going back into the original series and its campiness in the I 60s it felt like I mean, I respect it but at the same time I don't think I can do it after Deep Space Nine because <laughs> yeah. it, it's become so sophisticated over the years. Yeah. But one of the greatest episodes of the original series is called The City on the Edge of Forever which Harlan Ellison actually wrote. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the greatest episodes of not just the original series but of any Star Trek uh, series or movies to mm. be honest mm. um, it's it's just fantastic like, it's it's a time travel story uh, in the episode uh, heavily medicated Leonard McCoy travels back in time to change history and uh, Kirk and Spock follow him uh, to correct the timeline yeah. in doing so Kirk falls in love with a character named Edith Keeler yeah. uh, which is guest starred by Joan Collins of all people yeah. uh, but then realises that in order to save the future he must allow her to die. Mm. Yeah. So it's a very tragic love story mm. and uh, one of um, my, actually my first introduction to Harlan Ellison actually. Um, I wasn't a big, well, I know of him but I did not realise who he wa- how good he was until yeah. I saw this episode last year and then I, you know, I looked who the screenwriter was and I was like, let's see what else he's done. Mm. I was like, oh shit, he's this sci-fi legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, great stuff. Um, let's, let's move on to Steve Ditko who, um, well, also another legend. I mean, it's it's hard to kind of summarize his career oh, because he, he's such a he, yeah. he's such an instrumental part of the comic book industry, especially if, the Marvel industry. Oh, uh, the Marvel universe, Oh, the comic book industry well, is pretty much the Marvel yeah, industry yeah, yeah, right now. I know, I know, I know, I mean, both Marvel and DC. Correct, right. correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to build like you know the the, the forefathers, the 
the Mount Rushmore of comic books and you got your Stanley, you got your Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko has to be there. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Let's get the obvious out of the way. Spider-Man. Steve Ditko is the co-creator of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Yes. Obviously, um, everyone knows this. He's an artist who's kind of beloved for his trippy aesthetic, especially in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also uh, created Squirrel Girl. Yes. Which we also love. Yeah. Uh, and, and continues I to didn't know that. Very, very I just good. found that out. Yeah. Yeah, um, but, but beyond those um, easily recited facts who every, which everybody knows, like, this, Deco was also the one who decided that Bruce Banner would be a Jekyll and Hyde type character. Mm. Uh, that uh, in the heart would turn into the hawk when he was uh, in, when he was angry or in times of emotional stress yeah. mm. uh, so it added uh, a nice allegory to the hawk because previously he was just a hawk yeah. but mm. now he had a story he had a theme you know, he mm. had a character behind it yeah. uh, that was entirely dead cool. that uh, the incredible hawk creators never thought of that wow I didn't know that um, yeah. after leaving Marvel he alternated work for a horror publisher called Warren's Creepy and Eerie okay. uh, he wrote anthologies for that he also worked for Charlton Comics where he created Blue Beetle The yes. Question and Captain Atom which uh, uh, gets absor- absorbed into Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um. All three of those characters, uh, two decades later, will become the basis for Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, which I think would not exist without Deadpool. Yes, for sure. Uh, then he moved on to DC where he created Creeper, he created Hawk and Dove, which will be on the new Titans yeah. uh, TV series, which we'll, we'll talk about the, yeah, in a bit. We'll in a bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, he created a, a, I mean, so much uh, shape the changeling. Uh, he was uh, a huge part of DC Vertigo's imprint mm, and yeah. in its beginnings yeah. uh, in 1991 in 1991 he created Squirrel Girl which has right now become one of Marvel's biggest breakout hits yes because sure. of the storyline how really? relevant it is yeah yeah. 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 Um, actually especially amongst young readers yeah. Yeah. Uh, like uh, do you guys want to say anything about Steve Ditko? Legend. I mean, like, what is there to not, not say, say about? Yeah. yeah. It's everything, la. like, really, Mount Rushmore, that guy is the third guy. Stanley and Jack Kirby get so much credit, but it, it, it pains me to see that Steve Deco is so unknown, actually, among comic book casuals. Yeah. Because uh, they don't know who Deco was. When Deco passed away, it wasn't, like, this big... It's not going to be, like, how Stanley passes away. When, when Stanley yeah, when, away. when he passes away, or, you know, when Jack Kirby passed away, it yeah. was a big deal, but Steve, yeah. Steve Ditko is as big as both of them. Yeah, we, well, there's this comparison that he was the J.D. Salinger of, of, of comic books, right? Like, yeah. never gets interviewed, never gets seen on on, uh, on in, interviews or anything of the sort. Yeah. You don't see him in public appearances and all of that. Very so, uh, reclusive. Very uh, they're like Alan Moore, actually. Yes, yeah. yeah. But, but a lot less controversial, and his creative output has just been... Mm. Wow, oh, grand. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Final. Yeah, and and his legacy is something that we are going to enjoy for many many years to come. I agree. I, I know it's terrible, but every time somebody mentions JD Salinger, I stop thinking of Catching in the Rye and I start thinking about uh, Hollywood stars and celebrities. What do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. Yes. Because yes. you know, this is more important creation. Eh? Yes, yeah. that, yes. That's true. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, watch Project Osmond. Project Osmond, please. Yes, inside uh, joke there. Season 3 is coming out soon. Coming in August? Oh, that's next month. Yeah, yeah. So oh, this month. We'll be coming. This month. Yeah. Yes, we'll be coming next We'll be covering that. Month. Month. Yeah. We'll be covering that uh, <laughs> uh, kind of. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Animation. If, if they are like one episode, like the, you know, for example, the underwater episode, yeah. uh, which is a bit like Atlanta, Sally Perkins, mm. uh, we, can, we can spotlight those episodes. Like. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next one is something a bit more personal to me because mm. I kind of watch him week to week on a show called Collider Heroes. He, he hosts a, a show much like this, uh, okay. a, a geek show. Focus. Just talking about the news and discussing stuff that have happening in the movies, TV shows, comic mm. books. Um, he's one of the hosts there, but he also created Metapocalypse, oh, 
okay. uh, which is uh, an insane, insane cartoon oh, on adults film. Uh, um, yeah. He was an animator on Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Space Goes to Coast, The Venture Brothers. Uh, one of my favorite things that he ever did was a documentary called The Death of Superman Lives, okay. which is a documentary about uh, the Tim Burton, Nicolas Cage Superman movie that never got made. Mm, nice. uh, it's a very, very fascinating documentary if you want a little bit of insight into Hollywood production development and what development hell is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, you always read these reports about uh, this project's currently stuck in development hell. John Schnapp really dives into the production of uh, the Superman Lives. Okay. Um, and fun fact... Um, Nicholas Cage was supposed to be Superman. He's actually voicing uh, Superman in the Titans Go yes. to the movies. Oh, nice! Yeah, uh, he got his he got his part. Yeah, <laughs> finally he, he finally got it. It's yeah. it's just sad that uh, the director who who's been pushing for this like never got to see uh, Teen Titans Go, and at least here uh, yeah. Nicholas Cage as Superman. But yeah. yeah, one of the one of the creators that we are gonna remember. Yeah. Uh, next we're gonna move on to uh, some highlights from San Diego Comic Con. SDCC. SDCC. Um. Let's go through the good stuff first. Let's yeah. Let's go through the good stuff first. Uh, what is something that you would like to highlight? Star Wars. Clone Wars is back. The Clone Wars is back for a surprise. Yes. Seven season. Shocking, yes, huh? No one. I'm no so one's excited. Coming. No one's not coming. Especially with the end of Rebels, right? And the way the Rebels ended. Yeah, but because this is... Uh, they're continuing the episodes that they already pre-produced. Right. So they're just, they just put on the finishing touches. Right, right, right. Uh, so if if you were a Star Wars, the Clone Wars fan, you've already seen these episodes on YouTube or whatever. Like, they posted this... Um, Halfway done episode, right. but there is more material. Yeah, right? there's going they to be more material. material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those six episodes are, I think, two more episodes after that. Right, right. So okay. yeah, I'm glad that this is finally happening. Nice. Yeah, I'm just nice so one. happy now. Why are you looking forward to in the Clone Wars? Uh, well, first of all, the con- the the pre Sith, uh, pre Revenge of the Sith episodes. Mm. Uh, I hope to see the Mandalorian Wars, right? Yeah, the Mandalorian Wars. Yeah. Uh, more of that, lah. More of that. Because yeah. it's kind of cut short in season six. Six, yes. yeah. yeah. And it was not really even since because since six like explored other things. Yeah. Yeah, explored Yoda, explored uh, the other Jedi masters and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would like to see, uh, the Mandalorian, the, the Mandalorian Wars will be one of them. Uh, I would love to see more of um, Anakin and ah- ah- Ahsoka's relationship mm. post uh, her leaving the Jedi Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit more of Maul and his consequences of losing the the duel to Darth Sidious. Yeah. And, mm. yeah. Uh, that kind of thing, lah. So it's really exciting, and also the the introduction of the the black the bad batch, uh, a bunch of clone troopers who are like commandos and uh, if not even commandos, they're just like defective uh, troopers yeah. with certain abilities, you know yeah. that kind of thing. So to see them, uh, because if you have watched the those pre-produced uh, episodes, it's very intriguing, mm. uh, Very good storylines that uh, have always continued the uh, because you know uh, Clone Wars is not. Uh, film episodically yeah uh, they, they time drum a lot yeah, back and forth back and forth so yeah this continues that trend so that's okay. one of the biggest uh, highlights I got from SDCC so yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, go, we'll keep going in one yeah. hour with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my top highlight is Glass oh. yeah. Right, yeah. so let's just dive straight into it I am super psyched the trailer looks amazing yeah right? the colour scheme was oh man, man. Really yes yeah. it was, it's pretty mind blowing I think like ever since we heard rumours that Split was going to be in the same universe yeah. and of course being confirmed with the post credit scenes mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this yeah, and I the trailer that, has yeah. not disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I mean I, if, you are, if you haven't seen Split I'm sorry la, like I think everything is in sport for you by, by, by now. now la. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the, not so much twist but the revelation in the end is uh, David Dunn exists in the Split in universe this, yeah. and he's destined to fight the beast uh, James McAvoy yeah. who's a soldier villain. Uh, yeah, uh, but apparently they're both being manipulated by Samuel L. Jackson, Glass. Uh, Mr. Glass, Mr. Glass, who is the titular character, and 
I'm assuming the main character of the show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is very very interesting because it's a villain point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Samuel Jackson it just has his fingerprints all over all sorts of franchises, superhero yeah. franchises. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I I can't wait for this uh, Same. In, in terms of SDCC, the trailer for Glass looks more like a superhero show than. Uh, both Unbreakable and Split Yes Because okay. Unbreakable Was a hidden superhero origin story yeah, Nobody right. knew what it was Until the until end Until we watched mm-hmm. it yeah, uh, yeah. And Split was a hidden Supervillain origin story Nobody it, knew what it was Until the end It started as a horror it was a, yeah. Thriller kind of thing It was presented as a horror thriller yeah. And then you're like Oh fuck This is actually a supervillain story yeah. And then Oh shit They're gonna versus So yeah. this is a M. Night Shyamalan's Infinity War Yeah, yeah in terms of Comic Con itself and the presentation, what struck me about the panel was kind of this rehabilitation of M. Night Shyamalan. Mm. I remember in 2011, I was watching uh, a stream of the panel for After Earth, which Shyamalan did. <laughs> and um, a lot of people don't know that After Earth was done by Shyamalan because. He took the name was taken off. Name was taken off because he had such bad rap after yeah. you know the happening the in the village and stuff like that. Lah. Um, so during the Comic Con panel for that, when they showed the uncut trailer, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's name came up like directed by M. Night Shyamalan written and directed by and M. Night Shyamalan uh, and then not, not just not, people didn't boo because boo implies uh, some sort of hatred yeah. uh, there was just a round of chuckles people started laughing <laughs> ah, yes. uh, yeah so I mean it, it's sad la. Um, but when glass, the glass trailer came out you know the, the uproarious ovation yeah. uh, M. Night has come full circle la, and, and he's he's got a bad story bro yeah, he he's a, it's a nice redemption story. He's back to uh, the status that he was during the Sixth Sense era. Yeah. He's finally regarded as this auteur. And what I've always respected about M. Night Shyamalan through the great movies and through the really terrible movies was that he always swung big. Yeah, he's always. this uncompromising, fearless kind of creative who always goes for goes for his idea full scale. Hundred mm. percent has to be his idea. And if you look at it from the great movies like Unbreakable, uh Science is debatable, uh, Sixth Sense, or his terrible movies that are happening, The Village, stuff like that, right? Maybe they all, they all, they all have almost laughable premises. Yeah. yeah. But he always goes for it, and and you can only, and what I appreciate about M Night is that he's not afraid of failure. Mm. <laughs> he he fails big, but he can win big also. Yeah. So yeah, um, what I what I want for my creators is to, for people to take big swings, mm-hmm. don't, don't compromise in your vision. If he fails, it fails lah. But what if it's great? You know, and that's why uh, that's why I'm not Shyamalan to me a guy who never plays safe and I respect that uh, from my from my auteurs yeah. what was the movie he did before Split that was also quite good um, apparently it's called The Visits that was his kind of uh, comeback right comeback for Blumhouse Blumhouse yeah. right yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, Blumhouse famously only gives like very very small budgets to their creators yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I mean he basically just gave like I'm not Shyamalan here here's 20 bucks go do a movie <laughs> if it's good then, then we'll give you a chance uh, yeah yeah Gus, uh, it seems to be the combination of his redemption arc. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, I better erase uh, my memory of uh, the happening. Avatar. Oh, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. No, that's one of the things. Like, everything he says is, is true. Yeah, but the one thing Avatar that he did was not swing big yeah. Yeah. That he didn't swing big for and yeah. totally fucked up was Avatar. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, but Glass is definitely one of our highlights for January next year. Yes, for can, sure. Can we so, how that? about you? Anything from your side? Uh, yeah, um, I guess I'm going to be talking about Young Justice Outsiders. Who mm. Yeah, uh, Young Justice is coming back on the DC streaming service. Yeah. Uh, are you guys excited for Young Justice Outsiders, the third season? Yes, yes. I am very excited. Because now it's a time gap, right? They, they jumped a few years, five right. years. Uh, after, um, after, five the, years. after the Flash's death, uh, yeah, Wally, right? season two, yeah. Was it yeah. Wally? Wally, yeah. 
So uh, I mean, like the trailer was great. I, it was a great recap, and at the same time, it promised so much more in the, for the coming season, right? Yeah. Oh man, I am excited. I think Young Justice has been very underrated. Like it's a very shadow out of nowhere kind of. TV series Yeah, yeah. And, I mean like it, it, With very little fanfare yeah. And I think a lot of people Have slept on it So I'm. It's been good so far mm-hmm. uh, Very interesting take mm. On Well the Psychics Exactly yeah. Right uh, And uh, I feel like In this era Of like Superhero movies And uh, what the MCU Is doing And all of that yeah. uh, Once again DC Animated Universe Is killing it yeah. And have been For a long long time uh, what did you think? I'm eager to have your take on the good omens uh, behind the scenes. It was fun. Because you're a, a big... I I'm mean, a the, huge Terry Pratchett fan. Yeah, uh, the biggest amongst us. Uh, so yeah. what do you think of the upcoming uh, series uh, run by Neil Gaiman yeah, himself? Yeah, Neil Gaiman himself. Because uh, who's, who, de- who that left? Who that left? Who that left? <laughs> what? Who was the guy that left? Has departed what are you talking about? Who's the guy who left? Who left? Because Neil Gaiman wasn't the original showrunner, right? Or someone else. No, left. Neil Gaiman's ori- no, always. always the original showrunner for this. I think you're thinking about American Gods. American Gods, Neil Gaiman took over from. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. But anyway, Good go Omens, uh, I felt it was a great uh, insight. Beh- behind the scenes, yeah, uh, the so trailer. exciting. You have like Michael Sheen, you, got Michael Sheen. Yeah. you have Francis McDormand as the voice oh, of God. He's so fucking perfect. Tenet, Everybody yeah. is so perfectly cast. David Tennant, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yay. Uh, Good Omens, one of our highlights as well. Yeah. I, I will be remembering miss if I did not point out the Godzilla trailer which oh, Godzilla yes. King of Monsters looks like everything I wanted Planet of the Monsters to be right? like, and yeah. more right? um, there's Millie Bobby Brown there uh, doing her fine, e- fine you know, which, is, which is fine you know, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of catching on her 11 popularity yeah. but the real star of the show is still Godzilla yep. plus plus you got King Ghidorah you got yes. Rodan you got Mothra and Mothra the, it feels like Toho is just blowing their load on this you know because it yep. looks amazing I think it's because people are getting sick and tired of not getting that payoff yeah. Yes. You know? So like, okay, you know what? Fine. Let's give him all the monsters. I think the the Gareth Edwards Godzilla was a more introspective, reflective kind yeah. of movie, almost a drama. Yeah. Uh, but um, as uh, Ken Watanabe said, la, let them fight. Exactly. And uh, this entire movie just looks like a giant. Let them fight. Yes, I cannot wait. Especially after watching the movie. Wait, what is this sequel? Is this a sequel? Is this it's a, a sequel yeah, to Gareth Edwards' uh, Godzilla. The one with uh, Ken Watanabe and all. Ken Watanabe yeah, yeah. okay. was in the trailer. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, that's a sequel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a sequel. Okay. Same, same universe and they've got... What's yeah. the agency called again? Uh, Monster uh, King. Monarch. Monarch. <laughs> Monarch. Uh, so they, this is also the prequel to King Kong vs. Godzilla, yes. which is what they're planning to do yeah. subsequently. Well, this does well. Yeah. Why yeah, not? I mean, it, it, it look, it's getting a lot of hype. It's my favorite trailer from uh, SDCC. It's be- great. Because of um, its musical choice. Yeah. There's a sense oh. of like uh, hopefulness and whimsy and yeah. cuteness. Uh, like almost like you're welcoming these heroes as the saviour of Earth. Yeah. These monsters yeah. as the saviour of Earth. Which is, uh, I'm probably going to delve into the same themes as Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters. No, so that's the thing, right? Okay, like major spoiler alert, but I think most of you aren't going to watch it anyway. They talk about Ghidorah mm. in the uh, post-credit scenes. Okay. Right, uh, and Good for that, that seems like that's what they're gonna do for the part the three. Next one, uh, okay, you know, uh, but I think um, Godzilla two is definitely, I mean, it's okay. way way more because you're we're getting more monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just Ghidorah. It's we've Mothra, got Mothra and everything. Yeah, Rodan, yeah. Rodan, yeah, Rodan. Yes. Right, so we're getting a lot more for the movie than we are for this series. This is dragging its fucking okay. feet. Yeah. Uh, like a few more quick, uh, quick points or notable highlights. I wanted to point out. Aquaman. Uh, yeah, the DC trailers. Um, Aquaman looks like an underwater Wakanda, basically. Mm. Mm. Uh, the trailer is almost shot for shot a recreation of the Black Panther trailer. A bit lah. It's 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 weird uh, but at the same time it still looks uh, bright and fun uh, which yeah, is what yeah. I want from my yeah. DC. Um, is Jason Momoa lah? Is it? 
Yeah, it's a swag. It is really. I I I really did like that. I yeah. Really like yeah. That. I I, I just want uh, one scene where Jason Momoa goes up to like a fish and then just like goes, "Moment, moment, moment." But then, yeah. <laughs> there was another thing. Uh, the Manta Ray, black man, black Manta. Yeah, yeah. black Manta's yeah. costume look dope. Yes. Yeah, and it's a uh, very comics accurate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought like, oh no, they're gonna like ruin this. Like, no, yeah. really, is that Bubble Head with the two laser eyes? It's amazing. I yeah. just like in Young Justice. It, it it looks great. Uh, um, I mean, I, I do make fun of Jason Momoa's Aquaman just because he sounds like an underwater little John. La. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, whatever. whatever. Um, I thought Shazam looked really, really fun as well. Yeah, Shazam. Yeah, Shazam looked good. It's supposed to capture the whimsy of uh, a child becoming yeah. a superhero. Yeah, the, uh, the big. Uh. Yeah, uh, basically a super-powered version of big. And it looks exactly like that. And uh, yes. Zachary Levi? Really perfect casting, right? See, look, I mean, Zach- I did not think it was when they announced it. Exactly. But now with right? this trailer, with this trailer, I'm, I'm so, so I was I'm so. I wasn't so the first time I heard Zachary Levy. What? Shazam? Yeah. What? That didn't make sense. But now it does. But um, he popped up a lot. He did. He looks apart. And they padded it a bit, lah. Uh, Zachary <laughs> Levi, I mean, from his time at Chuck, he's always looked like a, a giant grown child. Yeah, yeah. The way he acts, his facial mannerism. So it makes sense that they will cast him for a child. No, no. Essentially, yeah, yeah. the character Correct. of a child. Correct. It's just yeah. that. I didn't think they would buff him that big long. Yeah. But they did. Uh. Okay, what I'm curious about is how is that going to work <coughs> tonally with The Rock's Black Adam? Uh, dif- cannot. It would be very... Because Black Adam's always this old, wizened mm. piece of shit yeah. character. I still think that, I mean, it should have been John Cena instead of just Zachary Levi, so we could have seen John Cena versus The Rock. Yeah. Uh, but wasted opportunity, but Zachary Levi is fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the, movie, the movie itself looks tonally appropriate. Yeah. And Aquaman and Shazam... And apparently they didn't show Wonder Woman footage to us, but yeah. apparently from that what I've heard, it looks very fun and playful as well. Mm. So DC uh, is going very, very uh, going the opposite route, like cost correcting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and with uh, Shazam in particular, it's actually very, very appropriate because Shazam should have that tone. Yeah, it's, it was the original Captain Marvel, so I forgive them for going the Marvel route. Yeah, that one. no, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, um, I wanted also to point out the Halloween uh, panel which I caught. Mm. They did not show a new trailer, oh. but um, I saw that. Uh, What's her name? Oh wait, she, when she comforts uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis is who I was thinking of. Jimmy Lee Curtis is amazing. Um, for those of you who don't know, this particular Halloween takes place right after the first Halloween. It is uh, taking all those terrible sequels out of canon. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is what uh, John Carpenter wanted. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter is returning to score this. Uh, David Gordon Green is directing us. Uh, the trailer, which was released a few months ago, looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, this 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 panel, I saw Jamie Lee Curtis actually look excited for Halloween. Like, uh, I mean, all the actors kind of try to get through all these panels uh, the best way they can, uh, because it's just a long uh, part of the media tour. But Jamie Lee Curtis looks legitimately psyched. Like, I've never seen her so happy to be part of this particular Halloween. And... Um, yeah, it, it it just gives me good vibes as to how good this movie is gonna be. Like. there's this particular moment where, a surprisingly emotional moment actually from the Halloween panel where, mm-hmm. uh, a man uh, came up to ask a, a fan question during the Q and A. Yeah. And he basically said that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, saved his life. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, her performance in Halloween because he was a victim of a home invasion, uh, and then uh, he was a big fan of Halloween back in the day and. Uh-huh. He just did what Jimmy Lee Curtis would do, uh, and he kept thinking, you know, what would Jimmy Lee Curtis do at Halloween? <laughs> and because of that, he was able to survive the night. Uh, so there was this like very nice moment where Jimmy Lee Curtis just like you know left the podium and went to hug him. Oh, uh, it was one of the one of the best moments from SDCC for me. Uh, okay. Uh, 
Uh, also, I'll be remiss if I didn't talk about actual comic books. Yeah, what's up? Because uh, San Diego Comic Con has become Trailer Fest. Yeah, it has. But a lot of people forget that... Uh, it started as a comic book fest. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, com- it's a comic book convention. <laughs> Uh, and as with every year, they present the Eisner Awards. Yeah, yeah. at uh, San Diego Comic Con. Cool. This year's Eisner Awards was pretty much dominated by monstrous uh, Image Comics' uh, breakout hit of last year. Okay. Uh, Marjorie Liu uh, and Monstrous won five different awards. Mm-hmm. Marjorie Liu became the first female to win Best Writer. Yep. Wait, what? Yes. Yeah. First female. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, a lot of you guys don't know. Uh, Marjorie Liu uh, was actually in town last year for Singapore Writers Festival mm-hmm. 2017. Okay. Uh, she did a workshop, uh, which I wanted to attend, but it was sold out. Very quickly. Yeah, it was sold out very quickly. But uh, yeah, Marjorie Liu is is an inspiration, and if you haven't read Monstrous, Monstrous is great. Uh, it won best comic book, at least ongoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for best writer, she it was the one of the first. I don't know when it was first time. But very, it very rarely happens. Mm-hmm. There were two winners for Best Writer. They shared the award. Yep. Marjorie Liu shared it with uh, Tom King, yep. who uh, we all know is amazing. Like, we've talked about Tom King at nauseum on this particular podcast. Yes, yes. In particular, he won for Miracle Man and his work on uh, Batman vs. Elmo Fudd. Yes. Uh, that's fantastic Which stuff. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and also, the last thing I wanted to point out from the Eisners, um, a lady by the name of Jackie Orms, who is the first African, a- African-American woman uh, cartoonist and creator of the Torchy Brown comic strip. So she's basically the first African-American comic book writer la, to have uh, an ongoing comic strip called uh, Dixie to Harlem in 1937. She was uh, inducted into the Eisner Awards Hall of Fame okay. and uh, that's, that's fantastic stuff. Um, either other things from the world of comics I'd like to point out is uh, there's news that Chelsea Kane is taking over Vision yes, uh, for again. a new six-part miniseries which would be great. Very excited. Um, there's a new Shuri series because of the popularity from Black yeah. Panther to be written by a Nigerian author by Anandi Okorafor. Mm. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis has left Jessica Jones recently yeah. uh, and Jessica Jones will be relaunched with a new creative team helmed by uh, writer Kelly Thompson. Yes. I'm actually really enjoying Kelly Thompson's work right now in Nancy Drew so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, that's the stuff yeah. of comics and since I talked about Steven Universe earlier uh, there will be a big uh, crossover event on the Cartoon Network called yeah. Crossover Nexus yeah. that will combine characters from the entire, sta- the entire stable of shows. So uh, the in the promotional image release uh, it's going to be uh, Okikyo from Okikyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be joined by Ravens from Teen Titans Go, mm-hmm. Ben from Ben 10, and mm-hmm. Garnet from Steven Universe. Yep. And apparently there'll be a lot more, la, but yep. that's just the image that I got, and that's very exciting to me. Um, two other small things I want to point out there was uh, a Good Place activation where mm. NBC actually recruited yes. the actual Good Place from the show, and that where people could visit, and I thought that was, <laughs> that was one of the things that uh, I, I wish that I was at Comic Con this year. Yeah. 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 And another thing I really wanted to point out was uh, it was the 25th anniversary of Demolition Man. Oh, shit. oh and they did the Taco Bell. And to celebrate, the they, they created uh, the Taco Bell of the Future from the Demolition Man. Nice. Uh, with, the uh, with, with the three seashells in the toilet. Uh, it's hilarious and uh, one of those things I wanted to go to. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's amazing how much news can come out from SDCC if you consider the fact that MCU wasn't there this year. Yeah. yeah. Which is usually the big heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones wasn't there this year. Yep. Stranger yep. Things wasn't there this year. Yep. Um... Yeah, a lot of a lot of big things were there this yeah. year. But, but that's fine. I mean, it highlights the rest of the, the playing field. Oh, there are plenty of other yeah. stuff. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> DC finally DC would never time. DC would never get the attention that they got this year if exactly. MC was there. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and I that that's about it for this particular episode. But still, since we have a bit of time left, 
I would like to introduce a small segment. It, like sometimes, you know, if we have a, a bit of time left, I'm going to introduce a segment called Tie-In Issues. Tie-in where, issues. We, where we talk about the issues surrounding our favourite genre properties. Go ahead, uh, man. Okay. Uh, so, um, what do you guys think about James Gunn? Oh, oh my god. Okay, so, so okay, th- this whole Twitter thing that happened, right? Yeah. First of all, you read the tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were from 10 years ago. Yeah. It's not really... Okay, like, it was really bad humour, like. It was not it was funny, terrible, it was tasteless. terrible, tasteless. Indefensible, but, but they were jokes. They were jokes, and yeah. it was not... It was just... It was 10 years ago. The guy has changed. You can't... Think of you 10 years ago from now. Hmm. How ridiculous you were. Yeah, or how, mu- how much I... How, think of me 2 years ago, how much I've grown. Right? Yeah. And to... I know that it's... Uh, I felt that it was a, a over over reaction reaction by Disney, I, but I feel like Disney backed themselves into a corner when they fired Roseanne over it. Yes, yes, correct. Uh, and they could not seem hypocritical for firing a, a guy. A, no, 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 for no. not firing a man somehow. Oh, uh, and a liberal. Yeah. A they, liberal. They, yeah, yeah, they yeah, fired yeah, a conservative. Yeah. So if yeah. a liberal did that, oh, yeah. so that's okay. Yeah. So they kind of they kind of painted themselves to the corner. Yeah. yeah. And that's the sure. thing about this kind of like firings, uh, You know, when you you keep firing people. <laughs> Uh, in, uh, but it's, it's also a very arbitrary sense of punishment. Correct. Um, it, for those of you who don't know the context, an outright troll who I won't even mention the name. Fuck though. him, he's But he, he, he's kind of the guy who propagated Pizza Gate. Pizza Gate, yeah. yeah. Uh, he manipulated Disney into firing James Gunn because of a petty beef. There is nothing was unearthed here because Gunn's tweets were already quite well known. Yeah. Uh, six years ago, before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume yeah. One, yeah. Uh, the tweets were already unearthed by yeah. Glad. Uh, he had a nice conversation with Glad where he apologized for those tweets. Yeah. Said that he has grown as a person. Yeah. I'm I'm continuing to change as a person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what I was four years ago at that point was four years ago Yeah. Uh, it's not who I am. I am now, and he has grown a lot more since. Like. Exactly. A lot of people don't know that he used to work for Troma, which is an exploitation uh, studio. Mm-hmm. The their business model is making exploitation films, uh, which are like you know in bad taste. A lot of it's about rape and stuff like that, la. So yeah. he was just kind of in that zone yeah. at a particular moment yeah. when he was writing those tweets. Uh, he's since apologized. He's changed, and there's a big difference between an active person who is unapologetic, like Roseanne, yeah. who is still making those comments. She's, she's, clear, she's still saying that it's ambient that's causing her yeah to, to do that, yeah. Rather than James Gunn, who already took responsibility for it many, many years many ago, years ago yeah. and keeps being open and honest about how he was bad. He's changed. I'm trying to grow as a person, and if uh, if you're genuine and you're reflective. And if a human being isn't allowed to learn and change and grow, then what's the point of being yeah. alive, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also, I, I, the Roseanne comparison is interesting because Roseanne's tweets were the day off. Yeah. yeah. The night before. Exactly. You know, yeah. while James Gunn's 10 years ago, a decade ago. ago. A decade ago. And, yeah, and yeah. it's just this annoying because this outright piece of shit that, you know, just came out of the woodwork, started to just... It was a, 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 it's, a, it's a masterclass of how to troll effectively. Yeah. Uh, how to manipulate liberal outrage yeah. in this day and age. Yeah. Like. And yeah. it happened la. He also went after Dan Harmon uh, Unearthing a baby rape doll video that he Yeah did but that was out of context though. That's out of context as well yeah. And uh, Dan Harmon wasn't fired Adult Swim back yeah, in Bordeaux yeah. Yeah. But Adult Swim is a very different company Than Disney For Disney sure, of course sure. uh, Surprisingly most of the Reaction has been pro James Gunn uh, oh, definitely, yeah. yeah, because you know, um, I bet they thought that yeah, liberal outreach should be easy to manipulate and everybody will be anti James Gunn right, right now. But there's a petition going on to get James Gunn rehired, yeah. and I don't think James Gunn will have any problem finding work. No, nope. yeah. yeah, I don't think because so. I nobody really sees him as the bad guy in this situation. No, it was a fucking troll. Exactly. Um, if if Disney wants to take a stance about firing people about comments, uh, Roseanne included. Uh, then why are unapologetic people like John Lasseter and Johnny Depp still around despite their very real life crimes where they mm-hmm. hurt people in real life? Yep. 
you know, John John Lester like sexually harassed people and touched people inappropriately. Johnny Depp has beaten up cameraman, beat up his wife. His wife, uh, ex-wife. Ex-wife, who's also in Aquaman. Aquaman, yeah. yeah. Uh, Amber Heard. Uh, Amber Heard. Oh my god, the WB panel, by the way, was, must have been so awkward because they presented the they presented <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> Beasts right yeah, before right Aquaman. Before Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and Johnny Depp had a big speech in character as Grindelwald. Yeah. 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 Never mind. That must have been really awkward. How did they maneuver past that, huh? Let's yeah, keep them apart now. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't believe that James Gunn should be fired. I I hope they reinstate him. It's prob it's, it's a problem with reaction when la. when a big company like Disney decides to take a moral stance, mm. right? Uh, and of course Disney should be the last people. I mean, like tasteless, racist, sexist. They classicist. started it, man. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but right. Disney likes to say that they have grown and changed as a company. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. You see, and see, and that's the problem. We have changed and we have grown. Therefore, we yeah. must fire Roseanne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we have changed as we have grown. Therefore, we must fire James Gunn. No what? Right. So <laughs> it's 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 a huge thing that that is a lot more complicated than it seemed. I do feel that it comes. No, with even that. I felt that Roseanne's firing was a bit harsh. Harsh also. Yeah, I I don't think that. I mean, I don't think people should be fired over tweets. Uh, to be honest. I mean, like that, you should fire the president of the United States. Uh. Oh, yeah. let's not go there. <laughs> no, no, I mean like. What about guys like Johnny Depp who actually hurt people? Yeah, I know the like, real life consequences actually hurt people. was different, right? Yeah, I agree. Like the whole idea of the First Amendment in America and all that is such a big deal about freedom of speech and all that. That, that these sort of things should fall in that, lah. Yeah, yeah la, but on the other side, of the corner, so freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences. Correct, you are allowed to say it, but then other people can react to it. Yeah, as well, la. La. But, but this is just an overreaction. But it's, la, but it's not even. It's not even about okay. They sell it as a moral consequence, right? Mm. About the but it's all about brand. Mm-hmm. True, you know, and they have to keep to the brand. Rape jokes right. are good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though it's pedophilia jokes actually. Yeah. Uh, it was child rape jokes, not child just rape, rape jokes. Except child rape it was child rape jokes, which I mean, I did read it the tweets. Tasteless. They were very tasteless. They were quite offensive. And they were. I get it. I get it. But I still think it's an overreaction. Uh, at the end of the day, also, I mean, to be honest, from a personal point of view, I really wanted James Gunn off Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, not for any of these reasons, but just because I felt GOTG two, he was just doing the same thing. Exactly. Uh, and they needed a fresh voice. That's fine. Uh, I did, but this is not the way I wanted it to happen. Correct. Um, apparently, Jameson had already written the script for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I hope that they keep the script at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe get Taika Waititi on it or something. Oh, I, feel, I feel like his tone, his yeah. voice will be good. His tone is it, it meshes well with Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. Yeah, that might be where seen. they go. Yeah. Uh, last thing, like I kind of want to mention for myself is um, the Buffy reboot. Oh, oh yes, yes. Yeah. well, we will, uh, well, it's not a reboot. No, well, well, okay. Initially, initially, <laughs> initially, the news report was that Buffy will be rebooted with an emphasis on diversity. Yeah. Uh, they will be recasting Buffy as a black lady, as a black lady, like, played by a black actress. Yeah. Uh, its showrunner is a, well, it's a black woman herself. Has written with Joss Whedon on Agents of Shield, mm. on Aliens and Fringe as well. Mm. So she's more, she's more than capable. More than qualified. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have nothing against the showrunner. I have nothing against whoever the black actress will be, like, who's going to play Buffy, like. Yeah. But at that point, I just thought that this was a, a huge misstep, because um. Number one, okay, like stop rebooting things. Exactly. <laughs> that, but uh. There's, there's just a small thing like, because like w- the new show will forever be held to impossibly high standards correct and you can never win against the original Buffy very hard to Not, you just can't ever like do yep. that la. And, and and number two um, the black whoever is cast as the new black Buffy right it's just gonna be like it's oh, gonna be black Buffy higher. Yeah, it, you know I mean? it, not only would they call her a diversity higher, she'll forever be known as the Black Buffy. La. Exactly, yeah. So, so it's unfair to her. Mm. It's unfair to the new showrunner who's trying to do a new show 
And but it's just gonna be like, oh, this is just a copy of Buffy, or, or this is the diversity of Buffy. And people will dismiss it as that, lah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like uh, African American or black stories deserve their own stories, lah, yeah. and they don't need like hand me downs from like white franchises. I agree. Uh, that that was the major issue besides the whole legacy thing, lah. But okay, they have kind of subverted that or cost corrected, or I don't know whether it's a cost correction or whether it was or a mis- misreporting or misreporting, which yeah. it could have easily been. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a misunderstanding of the word reboot yeah. I, at least from the publicists because yeah. uh, they have clarified that it's not strictly a reboot but a relaunch focusing on the next generation uh, Slayer after Buffy mm. yeah. although technically it's after Faith because like, Faith comes after Buffy, Buffy. Yeah. 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 Um, so that might be it yeah, might, that might be after be Faith yeah, correct, correct so uh, if it does focus on a new Slayer it's not Buffy recasted as a black person. Then it's a change it changes it the narrative totally, totally changes it and mm. I'm, I'm suddenly back on board with this like, yeah. yeah Tim so I hope that it is it is that lah. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I am gonna give Buffy the Buffy reboot a chance, obviously, considering sure. there is a sequel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Joss Whedon is still executive producing, although he won't be day to day show running. Mm-hmm. Uh because he's very busy with other stuff. He has a new show on HBO called The Nevers yeah. going on right now. Should be fun. Yeah, he's writing a new comic book about Doctor Horrible, which is uh, his uh musical online mm-hmm. back in the day. Um Yeah, it's it I I have hopes for this lah. Me too. Um it, this isn't like a charm reboot. No. Where I I, legit, I legitimately don't give a shit like, about Charm. Didn't even know until you told me that uh, on on Facebook. Yeah, uh, the Charm reboot. I mean, Charm just in at it first. It feels in comparison to Buffy. I mean, it was I'm never sorry. it was never good in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And f- the people who are calling the Charm reboot trailer that it looks like cheesy and campy. I'm like, it's but that's what Charm yeah, is. What Charm has been. been. It, it it is as true to the original Charm as it can be because it's so cheesy and campy. Wait, I'm not trying. To, uh, uh, I'm a Charm fan, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And one of my issues with Charm Reboot was that they're branding this as the feminist Charmed, as oh. if to imply that the original Charm wasn't feminist. Okay. Like, they show about three women was not feminist, really. Was saving the world countless times. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which Buffy was, uh, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, big Buffy fan. You should watch the original series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In conclusion. Yeah. In conclusion. Uh, and then go watch Angel and Firefly and other stuff that Joss has done. I know Joss has gotten a bad rap recently because of an affair that he had. But yeah. you know, uh, we've come to a point where we have to forgive people because at least he didn't abuse anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, try yeah. to try to separate the art from the work. It's a. It's the art from the art. No, but I mean, just in particular, was it's a bit more of a blurry grey line. I feel like. I mean, it's a fair la. It's, it's an not affair. Good, it's a. It's a consensual sexual thing. Exactly, it's yeah. consensual. As opposed to with, with another adult. Yeah. Have to mention that as well because it's oh, not only yeah. other situation. It's just that he cheated on his wife. Yeah. Which is bad. We don't condone it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he did not like rape anyone. Mm. Wow, that's the that's the that's the standard right, that we hope people to. Yes, that's the way, the day that we're in. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next month. Uh, as usual, on the first of every month with the ninth yes. episode of Genre Equality. Um, Hardy and Isa will finally get chopped on Counterpart. Counterpart. Yes. Uh, the first season of Cloak and Dagger will be wrapping up soon, we'll so we'll be covering that. that as well. Yep. Uh, we'll be talking about the third season of Preacher, yeah. uh, which I don't know about. Um, <laughs> I mean, quality-wise, lah. But yeah, we'll yeah. definitely be talking about yep. that. We'll be talking about Final Space, which is yes. a new animation on Netflix. Excellent. And uh, Takawa Titi has a new TV show out uh, called Wellington Paranormal, yeah, which follows the, the which is a, yeah. a spin-off of what we do in the shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It follows the police department. Yeah. It's almost an X Files like show, right. but it has a magic. It has it's like cops. It's the X Files <laughs> in New Zealand. I cannot. It's gonna be funny. Yeah, it's gonna be really funny. Uh, and for quick hits, I'm probably gonna dive into uh, the Darkest Minds, uh, the new X Men. No, I'm kidding. Um, it looks a lot like the X Men. <laughs> uh, I'll be talking about the first Purge as well, which is a prequel to the Purge. Oh, I want to talk about that. Uh, it's probably gonna be very politically heavy. Yeah. And uh, Matt Groening's new show called This. 
Disenchantment. Oh, I'm Definitely. looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so that's what's coming up next month. Uh, tune in then. Till then, it's been Hitzer, Hadi, and Aisa. Goodbye. Bye.